2: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Victory Drive. Um, this week, we are starting in on all the episodes I recorded in St. Louis, Missouri, at the ATA show with... Uh, WCB and all the boys from over there. We went there, <clears throat> had a great, great time. They ate, ate, this is my first time at ATA, and I thought it was a blast. Was, a lot of you guys were saying that it's a smaller show than it has been in the years past, but I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty sweet. Uh, I got to meet a lot of really cool people. Like today's guest is Trevor Bending from Half Rack and Novix. He's the GM of uh, Half Rack and Novix. And we're going to be- cover mostly. Half-Rack stuff and some of uh, Novik stuff as well. So it's kind of a dual-purpose episode. But the cool thing about Half-Rack as a company is they have all sorts of hunting gear. They have, like, uh, blaze orange vests for us gun guys. They got uh, um, bow hooks, uh, gear hooks, and all sorts of other shit on there. I'm not doing a very good job. They also have, like, uh, Southside coolers. They're really neat. Some bags, some all all the different um, essentials you really need to have fun out there in the field and have a good time. Um Yeah, I don't, it seems like a great company. Uh, I did get, I did pick up a, a leather rifle sling from Half Rack for my 30 six that I'm going to take out to bear camp in Wyoming this year, and I might take it to Africa with me. I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm going to take my 30-06 to Africa anymore, honestly. It's a lot of logistics and a lot, um, some extra money to get that out there. But I still might. I don't know. We'll see how it's shooting and how I like it and how dedicated I am to, I guess, take African animals with uh, my my personal Ruger M77 Hawkeye 30-06. Um, I, I'm going to kind of touching on that real quick. I put out a video not too long ago of me shooting it for one of the first times. And I will say, there, I got some... Uh, some Norma ammo and uh, some Federal ammo. And, man, I'm not going to lie. Not impressed with Federal. They they had a – saw that gun. That gun did not like the Federal ammunition. It ejected like shit, which – that's the other thing about this gun. It's been ejecting kind of like shit, which is interesting because it's a control around feed. But it's kind of been ejecting like shit. I need to take that uh, bolt apart and check out the claw extractor for it and see what I can do to make that – more reliable ejecting, and uh, see what happens. I don't know. It's kind of worrisome. But I will say with the Norma Bond strike is what I got, 180 grain Norma Bond strike, that shit was zeroing fucking great. Like, it was grouping absolutely great. I was shooting – I think my worst group was just over an inch, but everything else was well under an inch. Um, I shot quite a, multiple groups. Probably, I think I shot three groups of three with the Norma, and I just shot the whole box of – 25, uh, federal, uh, rounds out of that. And, um, yeah, like I said, I don't know, not impressed with the federal that yeah, was, it was also, that 175 grains, um, on the federal side and they just weren't, they just weren't grouping very well. Um, I'd get some, I'd get one group that group decent, you know, uh, probably just outside of an inch, which is fine for a hunting rifle. I think, um, as long as you're right around that MOA margin with a hunting rifle. I think it's fine. Uh, but I was really, I don't know. I had some very worrisome flyers with that gun and, or with that ammo. And that was kind of, I don't know, kind of pissing me off a little bit. Uh, so like when I say worrisome flyers, I mean like they were significantly off, like outside of my, um, comfort zone as for flyers, just because you know, you start extending the range out there at 300 yards, three 400 yards. It really accentuates those flyers. and the Federal Terminal Sense, really, we're just not doing great out of that gun for some reason. Really not impressed with it. That kind of pissed me off. And I was shooting some cheap-ass Remington Core Locks as well. And that's why I was kind of using the Zero just because it was 30 bucks a box. So I was shooting that quite a bit the day before, and it shot those just perfectly fine. It, um, grouped well with those, um, cheap, that cheap Brennington ammo. And, uh, then the federal terminal sense is supposed to be like premium ammo shot like fucking shit. And then I put the norma in there and that shot great. Like, honestly, like I, it was hard to not group well with that norma ammo, you know, <laughs> I, I, obviously I could have, but you know, even on the shots I felt like I was not perfect on, uh, it grouped great. Like it fell right in within a comfortable uh, margin of error, you know, with, uh, that normal bond strike, 180 grainers. And so I might stick with that, uh, for now, but I did pick up some Nosler ballistic tips. I know it's a little bit of a softer bullet, but I did pick some of them up and I also picked up some Barnes vortex, uh, ammo. And I'm going to shoot that through it to chrono some stuff, uh, one of these days and just kind of get that all dialed in and get my, uh, my turret cap. Like, sorry, turret, cap, turret dial from loopold ordered because I'm going to get the, you know, the custom dial system from loopold is absolutely fucking killer. So I'm going to order that and get that all set up and get it ready and start training for bear camp. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Africa and stuff. So we'll see how it goes. You know, if I get the extractor issues figured out and get that claw taken apart and kind of see what's going on there. Um, it did eject all the normal ammo very well, but it just was, it was really struggling with those feral terminal sense, but it shouldn't matter. The ammo type shouldn't matter as far as ejecting wise. You, you shouldn't have a rifle that doesn't fucking, that has failure to extracts that often. So that was really pissing me off about this gun. So I just got to take it in and take it apart and get it figured out. So not a big deal. I'll get it figured out. It will be a reliable ass machine coming soon. Uh, but what I was talking about is I could put that. Rifle sling on from half rack on that 30 SX. My gosh, guys, it looks beautiful. All right. That is one thing I'll say about that rifle. It is, it is an absolute fucking beaut, you know, walnut stock, beautiful walnut stock on it. Beautiful bluing on the barrel. Beautiful. Just everything's beautiful about it. It's got the, uh, loop VX five HD on top. Oh my gosh. It's really honestly great. It's a great looking gun. It shoots really good too. Just the extraction issues, but it shoots really well. I'm very, very impressed with the um, the accuracy out of that um, rifle. And it once I put that half rack leather sling on there, whew, that really spruced her up. I'm not gonna lie, it really did. It looks great. Uh, it's got the little half rack logo on there. If you're into that kind of thing, you know, I, I think it looks good. But I just wanted like a traditional, really traditional 30 out six. I just feel like a 30 out six is a gun that should that ought to look just. Traditional, I guess. It's just your. It's an old fucking cartridge, all the way back from nineteen oh six. Like that's fucking forever ago. Like so long ago. It's outlived probably everyone's grandpas. I don't know. I'm sure. It's a long fucking time. You'd have an old ass fucking grandpa if he was around when .30-06 came out. So it's a traditional old cartridge that just got better with age as um, technology has gotten better. The bullets have gotten better, and that has stayed true with thirty out six. It's been around forever, like I said. And I do have a podcast coming along the pipeline. Um, about thirty out six, and just that cartridge in general because it's a very impressive cartridge. I love it. It's great. Uh, it's killed everything, known to man, and killed everyone it's ever touched. I feel like uh, it's just a great, great round, and I'm excited about it. Traditional looking thirty out six. I really, really am excited about it. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, brought in Trevor bending from half rack Novix outdoors. Now he's the GM over there. Like I already, I think I already said that. So yeah, I don't, I think it's a great episode. Like, uh, bear with me on these, uh, ATA podcasts. A lot of them are going to have the audio is not going to be perfectly awesome. Like it is in the studio or something like that. It's going to have a little background noise, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But we we're having fun in a t a and it's a great great, great time. We had a great media room there with uh, w c b and we recorded some really good podcasts with some really good guests that I think you guys are really gonna enjoy um I'll do my best to clean up the audio, but um, like the one with trevor, he spoke well he's very uh he articulates his words very well, he's very well spoken he en- um enunciates all the things he's got a deep voice. Is great. So I don't think there's any issues with the audio there, but some of the audio might get a little weird in some of these episodes. So just bear with me on that. Just take it for what it is. It's a great time on the road podcast, you know? So, uh, yeah, with that said, let us get into the partners of victory drive. All right. Like always guys, you know, that group, um, grizzly brings you this podcast every week. All right. Without them, we'd still be doing it, but just, uh, Probably a little bit poorer, I guess. <laughs> so Grizzly's an awesome partner. They've um, teamed up with me and Victory Drive here uh, right away from the beginning. Right from the rip, Grizzly's been there. And they bring to you guys, I think, in my opinion, the best hard side coolers in the, in the game. They also have the best shrinkware. Uh Doug Schmidt was saying it on one of the Working Class episodes, and I'm going to steal it. They are the Stanley Killer. Their drinkware is way underrated, all right? I really do believe that their drinkware is underrated. They have awesome, awesome drinkware that you guys would really enjoy. So go to Grizzly Coolers. Check out what they got. They also have um, elevated tower blinds and all that good shit. Uh, So just check out Grizzly. Use code WCB for 15% off. That is code WCB for 15% off. All right. And new to the show is Black Ovis, all right? Black Ovis is a one-stop shop for all of your outdoor needs, really. Uh, They don't sell guns because they're not an FFL, but they have everything else. They have camping gear. They have optics. They have bipods, tripods. They got fucking uh, arrows. They have an arrow ID builder. They have people at the shop that are literally building arrows out of the shop and shipping them straight to you exactly how you want them done. Uh, They've got fucking boots. They got all sorts of shit on Black Ovis. And they are an awesome partner. They've, uh, I, I think it's one of those companies that just makes sense with Victory Drive. And they have all sorts of good shit out there. And honestly, for some of the best prices I have ever seen out in the wild. They, I told you my experience with the lacrosse boot thing. They have really good prices. And they're really good people behind the brand there as well. So check out Black Ovis. Use code VICTORY if you want to save some coin. Code VICTORY. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y VICTORY. To save some coin on Black Ovis gear, all right, and we also have Mountain Ops. They are a supplement company that also has really good apparel. I guess I was looking at some stuff. Actually, matter of fact, I just ordered some Mountain Ops shit uh, today because I ran out of some. I ran out of my creatine. I'm almost out of my Yeti, so I ordered some Yeti Mode in the Rocket Pop flavor. So we'll see how that goes. Pretty excited about that. I also got some more creatine, and they um were sending out some free samples, so they sent me some samples of some Ignite and some Hydrate as well, so that's pretty cool, um, so yeah, you want to stop being a fat piece of shit, check out Mountain Ops, and you can use code VICTORY there as well to save some coin, all right, so that's code VICTORY, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, VICTORY to save some coin at Mountain Ops as well, so, all right, um, right, let's see here, what else do I need to cover, oh, oh, oh big announcements here also um well sorry before i get to the big announcement um i got home i went and took my daughter to jujitsu today fucking watched her do that and that was awesome real proud dad moments there i love watching her do jujitsu. it's like it's the thing that i've always loved doing when i was young as well as like, jiu and grappling and all that good shit and i did that for quite a few years i did it while i was in the army for a while as a Combat as instructor in the army too, but that's neither here nor there. But watching my daughter do that is always a good time. But on my way back home, I dropped her off at her mom's, and then, you know, kept trucking home. And I got to got home, and I looked at my door, and guess what was sitting outside? That's right, it was the new elite ethos, dude. Oh my God, I know this is a bow hunting podcast, or pff, I'm sorry, not a bow hunting podcast. This is a felon free podcast. Um, this is a gun podcast, but I do like to bow hunt too. I know I've said that a million times, but man, I am excited about that Elite Ethos. I ordered that not too long ago um, from the shop and got to my house, and I'm very excited about that. Fucking saw it sitting out there, pulled it out. It's got that, bruh, what the hell is that? Midnight Copper midnight fucking copper dude oh my gosh that is such a good looking finish that paint job is immaculate i love it it looks great it feels great too it's a really nice feeling bone it is absolutely drop dead gorgeous so um yeah i'm really excited to get that um suited up i've got literally all summer now to get that ready to go i'm contemplating whether or not to put a dialed site on there as well so you know support the boys at wcb you know what i'm saying here here Uh, I might put one of them on there or I might just be cheap and fucking transfer all my attachments, all my accessories from my, uh, my, uh, elite terrain over to the ethos. But I haven't decided yet that dialed site looks fucking sick. So I might have to get that. Honestly, it's pretty damn beautiful as well. I just want a pretty bow, you know, look good, feel good, are good. You know what I'm saying, boys? You know what I'm saying out there? All right. But, uh. With that said, um, hunting is still pretty cool. Um, Also, on to the big announcement, I do have to say. uh, I've been talking about it for a while. Kurt dropped it on episode 600. I am finally starting the solo series. I don't know if it's what you guys asked for. Matter of fact, no one asked for it. But it's something that I thought would be fun to do. um, At least for a while. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. See how the response is. But I'm going to start doing a solo series. And uh, just kind of sit down with whatever topic... It's going to be very topic-focused. I'm going to try to keep them right around that 20 to 30-minute mark, maybe even a little bit shorter, make them nice and bite-sized for you, and you can pop them on, listen to them at your leisure. We have a lot of people out there that listen in their commute to and from work, and a lot of people don't work that far away. They certainly don't work, like, you know, two, three hours away and drive that ramp um, gambit every day. That's pretty rare, I think, but – uh I'm going to start putting out some more content for you guys. I'm trying to kick up my social media game. I suck at social media. I'm just going to be blunt and honest with you. I fucking suck at it. I don't like it, but I do like to talk to you guys. But what I don't like is playing by the fucking rules because, uh, then God dang Instagram. I say something silly on Instagram in a comment to one of my buddies and they fucking say, Oh, just joking. You're too mean. So there's this reel that, um, WCB put out and they're talking about deer hunting and stuff and, how Kurt just tells everyone to kill kill him. You know, as all he says is fucking don't ever ask Kurt to, if I should shoot this deer or not, because he's going to say fucking kill him. And uh, on there, I just posted kill him with like four or five exclamation points. It took Instagram all of like, I don't know, 35 seconds. It felt like to come down and say, we removed your content for inciting violence or something like that. So I, I challenged it, came back denied. So I took it to the, Appeals board. We'll see what happens. I'm probably gonna still get, um, still probably gonna get taken down and deleted, and my account's probably gonna get flagged. I'm probably gonna get shadow banned. So if you guys don't see me on Instagram a whole lot, then just check my page. Go to Victory Drive on Instagram and check me out, and help me fight the shadow bands. I'm sure that's coming next because this is my second strike in a year. Uh, just saying, I'm, it's not even really anything that bad. The, the other one I got flagged for I said like in response to some random video I can't even remember what it was but I just said fucking white people I'm a white guy so I figured it's all right turns out not all right that's also illegal in Instagram world um so yeah I don't know I really hope my account doesn't get flagged or shadow banned but it might and it probably will at least at some point in time in my life which it is what it is but like I said trying to do better on social media trying to get more content out to you guys and interact with you guys as much as I can um so with that said, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome Trevor Bending from Half Rack and Novix Outdoors. <laughs> Trevor bending how's it going man going great man going great okay so uh you're with half rack um Mm -hmm. you want to go into a a background on yourself and the company and whatever details you want to get into yeah for sure so i'm the general manager for american pride outdoors
0: and half rack and novix comprise that uh so we just finalized the acquisition of half rack so it was novix before now we added half rack to the fold so novix american made tree stands Half rack, a lot of your just hunting essentials uh, came on as GM last year. You know, prior to that, I had, I had my own company where I was doing uh, sourcing, product development, and consulting. Before that, I worked for some some of the largest sporting goods distributors uh, in the country, in the continent. Uh, worked with Mossy Oak quite a bit and various brands around the country, hunting. Uh, fishing, so I'm one kind of lucky guys. I turned uh,
1: a passion into a career. Yeah, no, that's awesome. How did I mean? How did you get into that? I like to as kind of origin stories of some people. I oh, know for sure. So, into yeah. the hunting industry, especially, is an interesting topic. So, so
0: uh, yeah, Midwestern kid, you know, uh, went into Boy Scouts, right? Like like so many of us. Yeah, um, just fell in love with the outdoors, uh, and my dad kind of instilled in it, and his mom did too. And uh, I was in college, and my sister uh, worked for REI, Recreational Equipment Incorporated. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I've been in there a ton of times buying camping stuff. and Granola hikers. <laughs> exactly. <of that. laughs> yeah, right? And I don't fit the mold anymore, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's like, yeah, we got openings. You, you you totally would love it. It was a college job. And I was like, yeah, I think I would love it. And I came into the REI at a time, too, where it was pretty cool because uh, our store, you could wear, you know, sandals. You could wear sleeveless. You could wear a hat. It was just Not not what you see typically now with REI, but I came Mm -hmm. into that and fell in love with it, and uh, I I cut my retail chops there. Okay, I started in footwear. You know, they they trained me up on how to outfit people. You know, you're going to hike the AT, you're doing the PCT, Triple Crown. These are the boots you need. You know, send me the schools to be able to fit people in boots, and then I went to outerwear, adventure sports, mountain biking, climbing, and worked my way around REI. I was there for five years. Oh, no shit. Just uh, as it, like a
1: sales consultant? Just everything. as a sales consultant. Okay. And then
0: I kind of turned into this role of, oh, I forgot what they, they used to call me, but like the sales expert or something, because I'd be or a personal shopper. I think that's what oh, they call yeah. it. So family would come in like, hey, we're going to Tahoe. We're going to be mountain biking. We're going to be ski or whatever it was. And I'd take them around the store and get you know all the jackets I need, all the pants, the base layers, the boots outfit them for the next mm-hmm. couple hours and do it all and I loved it. You know, that's why I learned customer service sales and that was all through college and after college so I majored in, in in history and political science. Oh really? So fold <laughs> that up and put it with. in your back pocket, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with sales <laughs> nothing. Or- <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know and I didn't I didn't really want to know what I wanted to do in school. So I, kind of I was I played football in high school, I was going to mm-hmm. go to college for it. Blew out a shoulder, had, had a bunch of medical things happen. So it changed my world. What, uh, what college did you go to? Uh, United States Naval Academy. Oh, so I signed okay. With Navy was out there, and I had medical waivers, like seven medical waivers just to get there. Mm-hmm. So enlisted, uh, and the way they do their redshirt year, they go to NAPS, Naval Academy Preparatory School. So I literally was out there, and I had just had surgery on my neck for something. I uh, have a, like a, an issue with a heart that needed to waver, my shoulder, my knee. Jeez. It, it was everything. So it was like you, God saying, do not play football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just right. don't do this. Do you want to die? They, <laughs> yeah, I came from a you know, military family. My dad's a, he's a retired full bird. Uh, my brother uh, mm. was a paratrooper in the Army oh, no at the shit. time. So it was like, this is what you should do. And then it's like, your body's saying no. <laughs> and so eventually just too many medical waivers and i would have had to pull out of naps and be in the naval reserve for a year to get healthy to be able to do it so i was like this isn't going to work came back to you know my home in illinois and then i was like what am i going to (laughs) do um and that's i ended up going uh going to the small school elmhurst college uh in the suburbs of chicago Mm -hmm. and that's where i got hooked in with uh, rei where my sister worked gotcha um and stayed in the area and um after after I graduated, it was like, well, what am I going to do? And I, and I was like, well, I kind of like customer service sales. And I was like every other kid, like I went online, found a job that looks like it's paying good money. And it was, Telecommunications integration sales.
1: Oh yeah,
0: I've seen those. Right, I've seen those on Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) All thirty days later, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and luckily, you know, I just uh, hooked up with another company in the area that uh, my brother-in-law worked at. A lot, maybe some nepotism going on there. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But OpticsPlanet.com. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, a Dude, lot that, of people.
1: That, that, that's how it rules too. Oh, that, it, it's, it's awesome. an awesome
0: company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it was sm- smaller back then than it is, now it's this massive conglomerate and it's still really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but started, you know, technical sales and, 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 you know, being a product expert there because I'd always been a hunter and, uh, going through that and just built my way up five years Hoptics Planet, you know, then started doing product development with their private lines. And just getting to know the industry more and more. And that's cool because there's thermals. You go on these hunts nope. and these shoots with people, night visions. Everyone loved me when I worked at Optics Planet. Uh, <laughs> like, hey, can you get a discount? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and you know, from, from Optics Planet, uh, I, I, jumped pseudo out of the industry for about nine, eight months, eight, nine, eight, nine months, mm-hmm. went to a company called, uh, LCI Brands, which, uh, they have the brand Lewis and Clark. It's travel gear, but it was local to my area. And they said they did some outdoor stuff and they did, but, you get out of this industry, yeah, you probably know it. Like, you're, you're drawn to it, and you're, it's just in your blood. So mm-hmm. I was kind of connected to it, but it wasn't quite right. So another job opened up in the area. And, and like, northern Illinois, it's not known for the hunting industry or outdoor industry. It, right, yeah. Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois much much yeah. you know, South of 80, right, and then you get something. <laughs> but uh, fortunate enough, found another company that's n- no longer around now, so I can drop their name. You know, Marie Sporting Goods. And uh, came on as a product development manager there doing their hunting and fishing lines. And, you know, just every company just kind of built my way up. You know, started going overseas, doing development, you know, not to knock it, but just you cut your chops and doing a lot of that stuff, doing product management, and just kept, you know, building on that and went from Marie Sporting Goods to Big Rock Sports and did their private label. So they're they're the continent's largest sporting goods distributor. Mm -hmm. Fifteen, you know, brands that they do on their own right now. And, you know, after, what's that, like, at that point it was like, 15, 16 years in that outdoor, outdoor world, said, I, I can do this on my own. So I started a, an agency where I, I was consulting, doing product development and running brands for other people. And over the past, you know, a couple of years, I had been hooked up with a core group of guys that I really, really got, uh, close with. And we said, you know, we, we can build some of this our own. So a hunting company was born out of that half rack.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and then
0: got close with, uh, with the Novix guys. And started working with them, doing a lot of projects with them. And then everything kind of just, you know, became an amalgamation and just, just kind of came together. And that's so,
1: it's kind of a perfect fit for you, though, too. Like with perfect the perfect storm. Yeah. With, I mean, the, uh, where you're at now with the American made, you know, tree stands and stuff with Novix and everything else. And your background being the uh, um, Naval Academy and your family background, like all American, mm-hmm. red blooded Americans, you know, like that's, it, that's it, awesome. It, we really are. It's like that's, that's
0: what that family is. We're really proud of it. Uh, my dad's pretty voicrous on it, but his background <laughs> yeah. is. But, no, and it, it, coming in like that, it's just a lot of pride, right? And I, yeah. I, and I love building brands, love the people you meet all over the world. And, you know, I love to travel all over the world. But when it comes down to it, you know, especially like Novix and American Made and, and the pride that goes into that. And it's not easy. You know, easy button, you know, press the easy button, you're, you're going over, you're going to import stuff. And right. It, not,
1: not that it's always easy, but American Made is tough. To do it right. Well, it's it's tough because, I mean, when you're talking American-made, when you slap that label on something, generally means like, oh, it's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's going to be more expensive, but you know what you're going to get with American-made products, you know, generally. They're generally going to be much higher quality because, I mean, just the conditions you're working with in Mm -hmm. America here, it's way better. And people generally like their jobs a little bit better you know we so have a like, lot of control when it's american made if something's yeah. not
0: right you're not waiting three months to get something mm-hmm. and go oh that's not right so you that you get something bad that comes from overseas and again not knocking it but what are you going to do if it's not right if it's right. wrong you're either going to sell it and try and push it off or you're going to miss out on a season where american made i'm at the factories and you know we, we're based out of the midwest right we're, so we're mm-hmm. novix american pride outdoors half rex based out of ohio where we do our manufacturing in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, where you know pretty much manufacturing, building and shipping all out of those three states and I'm down there all the time mm-hmm. um, I'm looking at it. i'm working with the guys that are doing it. And yeah, you know, these these are all just, you know, true, true blood of the Americans building it all. Yeah. And if something's not right, they tell me about it before and it's like, hey, there's this one little nick right here. All right, throw it to the side. We'll, good, we'll go to the next one. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're doing all your R and D and everything right in the same building as mm-hmm. production and stuff, right? So I mean, yeah. it's all in house. It's all in-house. And you know, our our designers,
0: our engineers, are top notch, and the the best part about it all, they're all users. We didn't mm-hmm. pull somebody from, uh, you know, the washing machine world that had done that their whole life and never hunted before. And, again, nothing against it. They probably could do it well if, if they really wanted to. Yeah, But they're, they're, they've hunted their whole life, and they have their background in engineering or design, and we're bringing them into the fold. So they can really look at and go, no, 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 that angle's not going to work because when, you, when you're on a saddle, you're turning this way. Or, mm-hmm. no, if you need to aim down to the left, they really know it.
1: I think that's really important, too, especially in the hunting uh, sphere is where if you i think you can hunters can generally tell when there's a company that uh doesn't use their products you can generally tell with the why the, the way the product is set up it's mm-hmm. kind of like okay you're just trying to push a product out mm-hmm. to make some money kind of thing and um you know and that's not all bad either and generally those um, companies try to keep prices cheaper which it, there's a there's some, there's something for that as well. You know, you Mm. have to compete and you can't, not every tree stand needs to be, you know, the best, you know, well, you have levels of graduation. You get the entry guy, like,
0: I don't know if I'm going to like it. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll buy the $150 hang on and, you know, because they just don't know how many times they're going to go out and you kind of rely on that. And most of those are, they're probably going to be, you know, from other companies that are, they're importing, they Mm -hmm. hit that price point, but then they go, Oh, I really like that. Well, I mean, they want something better. Well, what makes it better? Like, well, is it a stronger platform? Is it not going to give? Is it not going to flex? Is it not going to make as much noise? Is it lighter? That's probably one of the bigger things, yeah. right? These steel things where, you know, you can't hang this thing one-handed. It's yeah. loud. You know, and then, you know, Novix, you know, a lot of our chops are cut on mobile ultra-light. You mm-hmm. know, our helo stand is, you know, a little over nine pounds. Easily work your way up a tree, one-handed, drop that in, get oh, it yeah. set.
1: Well, and, and from, like, me personally, too, it's like I, my very first – uh, hang on tree stand was just uh, an old one i found on facebook marketplace and mm. it was uh it had a chain it oh yeah, strap, yeah. You know, so yeah. It was one of them still see that yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually i still have it in a tree i sitting in it every once in a while which is kind of scary in itself but like when i sit in my cause I have a novix echo when i'm sitting in that it's like i'm six foot one 270 pounds like when i'm sitting in that you thing i'm secure. like holy shit this is nice and yeah. i sit in that other one i'm like Oh, it's any minute now I'm going to die. Keep checking that harness. <laughs> yeah. Make sure, yeah, we're good, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> like I tie it off and everything else, but it's like I still don't want to hang from my harness that's not fun no oh my god no it's one of the things choke the boys out down there i don't want to do that dude that sucks (laughs) still want to have some kids yeah well no but i
0: mean still it hurts (laughs) you know oh no for sure and that we we do see that graduation then you see the guys that go you know they they recognize that they want something you know better or even best right away Mm -hmm. um and they'll go for it but you know so there's different types of customers and we really push ourselves on to make sure we're as competitive as possible too, and that's what oh, also yeah. makes it difficult. American-made, you know, you can come out and make you know, something super expensive, but how many people can afford it? Like, we want the working class to be able to to, to get into this. You know, it's kind of what we're all here and the brand and everything, mm-hmm. right? Working class her Yeah, we want people to be able to afford it, get in it, and not break the bank with it, and spend mm-hmm. a lot of time. This whole this last six months, you spend a lot of time like. Talking with all the suppliers, you know, seeing what we can do to to make some changes if changes are needed, just to make sure that we can keep costs down. You know, go to a grocery store right now, right? It's, oh shit! It's mm-hmm. just moths fly out of the wallet. You know, fill the tank of gas. You don't know what price is
1: going to be. You can shoot a dollar <laughs> <laughs> overnight gallon. So you start swiping the free money card. Yeah, you know, and and say I'll deal with the re- repercussions later kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, right. And we were hit by it, and you know,
0: Novics came out, and we we're trying to steady that off and mm-hmm. keep it down for this year. And well, in
1: on top of you guys came up with the Raider series during that whole mm-hmm. thing and you're like oh we're going to come it with the most budget tree stand that we can with keeping the quality high and, and that's what that whole Raider series is all about and it's fucking and the, phenomenal the learnings from that were, were, were absolutely
0: incredible so you know a, a welded American made welded tree stand platform out of aluminum kept the weight down you know kept kept the cost to be competitive and mm-hmm. that's our new items uh, we have the uh, the Raider hybrid mini stand um, that's in that that Obviously, the Raider lineup welded aluminum. The new Raider saddle platform. Uh, our sticks. Uh, we have that ladder stand in there. That's all toolless. Uh, that's the other thing we want to do. Just make, make it easy. You don't want to yeah. pull something out and sit there. All right, I got three hours. My ratchets. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't have time for that. You know, yeah. We just want to be able to get out there and go hunting. Pull out of the box and go. Yeah. Pull out of the box and go. That's yep. a toolless assembly. That's you know what we're pushing for. And got some more changes coming this year to help with that and mm-hmm. just. We want the user experience to be absolutely perfect on both brands, Novix and Half Rack. Mm -hmm. Get out in the field and and do what you love. Live the life you love. I tell the guys that all the time. I'll send them messages, send them emails, be like, we're very fortunate to work for the company we have. And we really, really want to make sure you guys truly live it. I've worked for a lot of companies, and probably you have too, where take too much time. You can't get out in the field. You can't enjoy your passion. Mm -hmm. And I don't want our guys
1: to ever have that. Yeah, yeah, gotta gotta get out there and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess. So my background is I I was in the army for like ten years and then oh. uh, almost ten years and then I got out and I wanted to get back into hunting really bad and I worked in wind for a little while I like got wind turbine oh, and yeah? shit. Oh, that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, on the top of those things? Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got goosebumps. Yeah, no, it, I mean it is a it is a good job. It is good for what I needed. You know, I was in some debt and I needed a a job that um, gave me some overtime hours Mm -hmm. and that had plenty of it, but it was rough trying to get time off to go hunting and stuff. You know, it's like, it was just, it was like some managers it's like pulling teeth, trying to get time off and stuff. Yeah. It was rough. So, um, I've since left wind and the job I have now is much more flexible and it's in my my town. So I'm not driving Mm -hmm. an hour away to my site. So it's way nicer now. So it's just kind of like one of those things that kind of not really the same as you where It's like, you're Moving from company to company and like, mm-hmm. find your fit and getting you know all this experience and all that stuff. Mine was just more or less like getting closer to home, so I can mm-hmm. work less and get paid the same, hopefully, or if not, maybe a little bit more and you know, work a little bit less. I like, guess kind of the American, like the blue collar American dream is to find a job where you can uh, work less for the same amount of pay. You oh, know? Yep, no. So or or more. Obviously, it's always nice to get paid more. But love hearing the backgrounds, right? So. You know,
0: you got, you know, pretty much a career in the Army, 10 years. That's awesome. Thank you for the service. Oh, yeah, um, You know, coming out, going wind, and, you know, finding that, and, you know, my path, you know, going from college and, you know, Naval Academy to not not being able to cut that, to come back and work in these odd jobs. But, you know, finding that, that, that being able to be together in the outdoor industry, the hunting world, and just those mm. similarities we all have, and that, that passion that just brings us all together. It's just kind of an incredible melting pot we have. It is. We I mean, speak to it's everybody cool. from their backgrounds, but, you know, they... Guy on Wall Street, but you know he still takes his time off to go on that hunt. He's going for that elk, and you know someone in Silicon Valley, but they still do it. You never know what background someone might yep. have. It just brings us all together. Yeah, you have
1: the one, the one thing that, um the, uh, the one common factor is everyone. You know, obviously in the hunting community, you're hunting, but having that one thing that brings everyone together, and like, it is interesting and like meeting other people. Uh, I guess in their backgrounds is so diverse. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty incredible, honestly, especially. With me only doing this podcast for about a year now, um, actually just over a year, just say a year, uh, it would be January 6th. So. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's cool meeting all sorts of new people and everything else and kind of dipping my toes in the industry a little bit with um, Kurt and the guys and everything mm-hmm. else. So it's fun. a well, favorite thing about hunting probably for me too is just the deer camps. You oh,
0: love going yeah. out solo sits and all that, but when you're at a deer camp with a bunch of friends, some guys you don't know. Uh, some guys have been your friends for a long time, but just deer camp that atmosphere. And I'll never forget, I had, one of the guys I worked with before, he always said, he's like, when you go on a hunt, you go to deer camp, like, do the chores. You know, do something to make sure, you know, they, they know that you are you're really appreciate being there and you're helping out and you'll get invited back and you'll mm-hmm. have friends for life. And it's true. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Went on one to a great place in Nebraska and I was like, always asked, them, what can I do? You know, helping clean up and they're, they're good friends. You know, it's been 10 plus years since I've been there, but... Just that deer camp atmosphere, man, just brings us all together. Oh yeah, for
1: sure. Um, I, I feel like that's something that's kind of it's shifted a lot that I've noticed from when I was a kid. And I grew up like you know just going on deer drives in Iowa with my dad mm-hmm. and stuff, and you know a friend and his dad and whatnot. But uh, that whole deer camp atmosphere has really changed quite a bit. It seems like so. I um in our area, it seems like it's, a lot more people are getting into bow hunting. That's very singular which mm-hmm. is fun in its own right, yeah. you know. But it seems like the – and we're trying to do it a little bit here with uh, that deer camp vibe and everything else with the podcast and then, um, when we're out hunting and stuff too, almost having like a bow hunting camp is always pretty interesting because you're going out and hunting your Different own little areas. But yeah. Just having a place to come back to and mm-hmm. still get that deer camp vibe is always a good time. And that's when we went to Africa. Like that's I – mean, Africa's deer – or it's like deer camp – all the time. Oh, it's amazing. Man. It's so much fun. <laughs> Talking about now, now you got me started on Africa. So where, where yeah. did you guys go in? South Africa? Yeah, we- South Africa. We were uh, pretty close to Botswana. but Oh, we were Botswana's hunting. a dream. It's yeah. awesome. It's cool. But, How long but, were you there for? Uh, a week. Yep. How'd so you do? Pretty good. We went uh, We went to this area that was, uh, Stuart set us up in a spot that was set up more for bow hunting because we were all bow mm-hmm. hunting at the time. And, uh, you know, it, it, I had a blast. I shot. I, we all did really well, but uh, shot. Him, I shot an impala, uh, a sable, Ooh, and, pretty. Yeah, is is that was. I shot that one with the gun, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the last yeah. day. I'm like, fuck, dude! he was awesome sable out there, and we went and did a little stalk on him, and it was, it was awesome. But uh, yeah, and then uh, a Niala. So, oh, another another pretty yeah, one. That is was just, so cool. Those horns. Now you got to go for the full it's spiral, great. man. You I know the spiral slam Just start and just keep going. <laughs> that's the goal this year: is to get out there and get a get a kudu and a Kneeland. Awesome. So that was my first african animal
0: so fortunate enough i've been been a couple of times three times now twice oh, nice. in south africa and it was wild so the first first animal was a kudu and yeah. it was a good one i i remember i was looking at it and the ph was like do you want to shoot that one i was like can i, I was like yeah let's go <laughs>
1: do you want me to shoot this <laughs> and one and then it was it's on nice. the stock
0: was on yeah tried tried to get it down and you know, gray ghost of africa name mm-hmm. name stays true like i that thing disappeared for me so many times, and then you kind of
1: look over and you're like it's under the tree, under the in the shade of that tree right there. Like, oh my god, dude, they just materialize out of thin air. Yeah, oh, I, it's so cool, when, majestic. Yeah, it's amazing. When, uh, I shot an impala the first day, nyala the second day, and my goal is to get a kudu. So when I hunted kudu the rest of the time until the last day, and then it's like there, we'd be sitting in the in a blind and stuff, and you know not seeing much because we got putting some. Like the kudu spots, and he's like, and Stuart told us like, hey, you're probably not going to see much, but what you do see will be a kudu. Mm. And we have some shooters over here, so um, we'd be sitting there not seeing shit, and then um I'd look away, and then come back, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's right there at like 30 oh. yards. And like, what? Where'd you come from, dude? Like, you're huge. Like, they, they just, he just come that. out of nowhere.
0: We we were in a block. Blind- so I was in. Uh- Zimbabwe this past August, Sabe Conservancy Valley. Absolutely incredible. It's almost a million acres oh, free range. I heard about that place. It's oh, like a fucking dream place. Absolute dream. Like you, you can't throw a brick without hitting like an elephant. It was, it's really incredible. Yeah. But so, um, I, I had, so I, I really wanted to get a Cape Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my Cape. Um, also, you know, that, that area, we, um, Heavily populated elephant, like I just said, so they had tags available for elephant. Most incredible stock and, and haunts of my life. You know, you, you kind of look up pH and it's, after forty five minutes in the stock. pH said safety's off, and I'm like, safety's off. I'm still stalking, <laughs> and then six go up ten seconds later, and then you look around and you can't believe how how an animal this size it's, you can't see. Just then you look all around you. We're in the middle of a herd, and they're all oh, left, right, in front of us. You know, this thing is fifteen, eighteen yards in front of me. You know, just coming through the bushes, absolutely incredible. We can talk forever on that one, too. But <laughs> So uh, I i got my two tags filled. I, I got my elephant. I got my cape off. And my dad was with me. And I, I really want him to, to bring him to Zimbabwe. He had been to mm-hmm. South Africa twice with me. And I was like, I want my dad to see wild Africa. Mm-hmm. So he came with me. And he just wanted to take something in Zimbabwe. And we were, we were going after warthogs. So we, we had said, and they're, man, those little things they are, they're hard to hunt. And they're, they're wild. And wiry. Oh my God, <laughs> are they? So, you know, we'd see them and then the second they hear, see, they're gone. So we, we build up a blind. And that was really crazy. So we build a blind the night before. The next morning we come back early and there's lion tracks all around. So oh, it was, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but we're sitting there and you kind of look over a few seconds, nothing there. And then going back to this kudu, you look over and you're like, it's like five cow kudu in the water. How did they get there? We didn't hear a splash. <laughs> Nothing. This is within seconds. They just materialize Dude, out of they, the bush. They do. It's insane. It's oh, insane. It's such a such a cool animal. The quintessential American, you know, plains game animal, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah mean, we are be
1: rooting for you. You need, you need yeah. that kudu. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I'm, we're going back. Uh, so, obviously, with this podcast stuff especially, but we're going back with guns next year. We're just going to yeah, let but it rip. Depending where you're going, like, you know,
0: sometimes you're in a canyon. It's kind of like going out west here. You know, sometimes it's. It's tougher, and it's you know you need to take that little bit longer shot, or you just you have only so much time to get into it. Um, just just being over there, man. It's just that oh. feeling. You know, there's there's a good quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but you know it's pretty much saying like. You know, the only only person I'm jealous of is the person that has not yet been to Africa because they don't know what they're, you know, getting into. Right. You know, that feeling of, you know,
1: you haven't been to, you go and you're like, oh, I'm coming
0: back every year. dude, oh, you know? it's, it's nuts. <laughs> We've,
1: I've talked to a couple of people that have been to Africa quite a few times and before we went uh, last year, before, before we went there, talking to them and stuff and we're like, you know, you know kind of a once in a lifetime thing, like, oh, this will be cool, go experience Africa and then be done. There's like, you're not going to be done. Like, like always say you ah, that. No, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I could, I, I'd like to see, like go do the Africa thing for a little bit and just do it once. And it'd probably be fine. They're like, you're going to go back. And then we get there and start hunting. And it's like, yeah, I'm coming back. This is so, this is just too the, amazing. The amount of wildlife you can hunt, the various species, oh, you know, 30 some plains game species.
0: You got the big five, you got the dangerous seven, mm-hmm. so many different ecosystems. You know, we for my first hunt, I was in Limpopo, Bushfeld, right? And you know, mm-hmm. probably a lot like you saw where you enter in and out of these bushes, you know, they call it wait a minute bushes because everything's got thorns and it holds you there and <laughs> you're dealing with that. And then we went up to the high veld where we're going after black, uh, black wildebeest and, you know, just rolling hills where you see a herd go crest a hill, go over the next one, crest a hill. And, <laughs> and it's, it's a two hour drive to get to, you know, that 75,000 acre area where you're going to hunt mm-hmm. that. And, you know, Zimbabwe this time million acres of free range where, you know, you come up, you, you push, you know, hyenas off that, that watering hole. And no, oh, there's an elephant there. We got, we got chased by an elephant that, that, that had <laughs> a, had a calf with her. And that yeah. was the wildest thing I've, I've ever heard. And she stalked us. She was, we were in the truck going back to the village. And she was in and out of the bush and she'd come on the road, chase us. And we, we'd kind of drive a little bit further away. And then she'd dive back into the bush, come back out 20 yards behind us, like this elephant stalking us. <laughs> we're like, Let's get out of here. And all, all the, the, the trackers and the park guys behind us were like, go, 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 go. <laughs> it, it was a wild time. Dude, that'd be nuts. That'd and, be fun though. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and On the sad side, you know, while we were there, while we were in, so Save Conservancy, very, very remote area while we were there, uh, that thursday night we were in camp for about 10 days a villager was killed by an elephant so it's very oh, yeah. real to them they it's you know we joke around here with some of the wildlife but you know they're dealing with if they're out at night they got the cape buff, they got the leopards they got the elephant you know they got rhino um, oh yeah lions <laughs> it's wild there's
1: so many things that can if, if you're especially like a villager out there living and stuff it's like there's so many things that can just kill you
0: so many, you know, things. so many
1: things. And I brought up the snakes with uh,
0: with some of the guys. I was like, "What happens if you get bit by like a black mamba?" And they're like, "Well, we try and treat the symptoms." It's like, "That's it." And like, <laughs> if we treat the symptoms, you have a chance. So I was like, "Wow, just tough life, hard people, nicest people in the world." Yeah, I absolutely love talking with the villagers, and you know they love us hunters, right? Because mm-hmm. you come in when an elephant gets taken down uh, or anything, really, for that matter a lot of the meat stayed, well, actually all my elephant meat stayed with them. So the mm-hmm. village came out, they're butchering that, up, uh, bringing it back. And, you know, that night everything's hanging, you know, getting dried out and they love you for it. Cause you know, you're feeding them all the excess food goes to the food bank. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they understand conservation. It's like, you know, they don't want poachers coming in because hunters come in, they spend the money, they get improvements there, they get the meat. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things they've done right in those areas to oh, yeah, really promote sure. conservation. And, I couldn't be happy. Obviously, I, I was there for a rifle hunt too. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I know a lot of guys can they they go after the big five with a bow, but that that's scary to me. <laughs> I wild. know it's hard to get a bow permit for an elephant. And yeah, those those guys got you know, they got some brass. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's nuts. Uh, even on mine, I, at one point, like fifteen, seventeen yards, uh, coming through the bush a little bit, and I I could felt my knee getting a little bit of a shake mm-hmm. right before I was waiting for that. You know, uh, that side brain
1: shot. And then I was like, lock that out, take the shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is wild enough watching um, Eric when he shot that giraffe. Because he shot a giraffe with a oh, bow. Yeah. And it's just oh, like, yeah. dude, that's nuts. It's a itself. big animal. It's a huge yeah. animal. Yeah. 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 I can imagine shooting an elephant with a bow. That's oh, insane. Man. You have to have like a. A, like a twelve hundred grain arrow. Oh yeah, and then, it's like, it's fucking like a, crazy. There's, there's legal minimum on something like a hundred pound,
0: hundred twenty pound draw. Yeah, the, the requirements for it and special permits. You got to kind of prove you you're, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, what a feat, right? Oh, you know, to to nuts. take on the, the the most dangerous game in the world. You know, the guys that have gotten the big five, and danger seven with a bow. Man, hats off to them.
1: Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're hunters. Yeah, right? I think Kurt. He's mentioned that he really wants to uh, go do Cape Buffalo with his bow staring Wait, be, down black dots that'd dance. be that'd be fun though that'd yeah. be a good time that, so my my, my cape off, Wild. i um I,
0: t- and I was shooting a 460 weatherby mag okay and i shoot this gun well it's an it's an a-square hannibal fantastic stock system fits me well and you know i'm, I'm shooting 500 grains at you know 2400 feet per second it takes mm-hmm. anything down right oh, so yeah. we're chasing we're getting on these dug boys early and my first shot was oh i, I may, maybe 50 60 yards mm-hmm. and it's it's in thick vegetation so you, you the bush is kind of obscuring it but this grain bowl it's standing right behind the bush So I'm lining up the leg the head and neck and i probably want you know 2 or 3 inches too high from the heart and it's a good hit thing drops and i'm like it's going to stay down this powerful cartridge right, right. well no, it was, it was a. It ended up being this great double lung hit, but I didn't hit the heart. Mm-hmm. And you know how real you know the trackers and the pH it turns because now it's like now we got a wounded cape buffalo. Yeah. So there it was a group of dugas and uh, like probably four or five total, and the others took off, but that one stayed there. You could hear him breathing. It was heavy breathing, wet mm-hmm. breathing. So we knew it was a good double lung hit, and there's blood. So we're going around and tracking it, but how real it was. Like I am, I am stalking a wounded cape buffalo mm-hmm. in the thick bush where you
1: can't see five yards in front yeah. of you, Dude. and. Could be anywhere, and we already could, could be anywhere. We already know that um, those huge animals can hide in that bush, hide, so and you don't know what
0: else might be there. No, yeah. Granted, a gunshot probably most everything's scattered out of the way, but maybe you know they, they turn around and they'll they'll mm-hmm. hunt you down just as much as you're hunting them, and.
1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: How good the trackers are there and the pH. If you're with a good one, you know, they're following it here and they're looking ahead. And he's like, it's right there. And I was like, I don't see this thing. What are you talking about? And, you know, the wind's wrong. So, you know, they're so quick with it. And we go around, turn a corner and got lucky. Maybe the trackers just put us there. But, you know, we come around right behind it. So the whole stalk lasted, you know, less than 40, 50 yards. Didn't go that far. Mm -hmm. And his rump's down and he's facing away from us and, you know, finish it off really quick. But in the back of my head, I was like, man, I, I wonder what, what if he would have been looking at us? And the PA, I actually said something to the PH, and he's like, uh, if he would have seen us, he'd have been looking at us. It would have been a charge. It would have been really yeah. bad. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we're, we're all just it. shooting the head, trying to yeah. shoot that as fast as possible. Get him <laughs> you know? down. And that's you know, just better for the animal, too, right? Just yeah. so put him down. But I couldn't believe you know, the, that animal sucked up that slug. like it, Eventually, you know, it went down. But mm-hmm. just the power of them, the, the, what they can take. And um huge. and how they disappear and just we heard the breathing, couldn't see the thing, and it's this massive, you know, I don't know, twelve, fifteen hundred pound black buffalo, and you just, yeah. can't see it. Just ginormous. Um were you shooting solids or so first, first was a soft. So, soft. And that yeah, you know, it's one of it, some some guys differ on how they want to do solid mm-hmm. soft. So elephant was solids, yeah. all solids. Um because it was a brain shot. Mm-hmm. Um the buff was first, uh, he had me load in uh, the first in chamber was a soft and then it was solids after that because mm-hmm. you know if it was a wound you'd taking off running, you just pop it in them. Yeah, you, know, you, you got to get them down. But the yeah. first was a soft, and I was shooting the uh, the Hornady uh, DG, uh, DGX bonded, their new one, okay. the bonded one, and held together great. I, I waited afterward, and I can't remember what it was now, but it was, it was a perfect hit. Double long went right through, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't. It was you could feel it under the skin on the opposite side. Oh, okay, perfect expansion, and it, it it did the deed. In the second one, the solid actually. It went pretty much clear through. I shot it on, you know, because we were coming from behind. It was a little bit high rump in the back because there's an angled shot going down. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go all the way through. So I actually got both both out of that one. Okay. Um, take back as a little, little trophy. Yeah. You know, with it. No, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, so 500 grain slugs. The first one was soft, but, man. And, and Hornady ammunition. I, I love Hornady. It's affordable, too. It's, mm-hmm. I love supporting a company like that. A lot of people can knock some things. They've they've had issues in the past with mm-hmm. their, especially their, their, their DG, uh a dangerous game ammo that wasn't bonded. Now they they fixed that. So mm-hmm. uh, I absolutely love their stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, they're obviously great. They've been around for a long time. The, the PRC line that they're coming out with now with bunch Sh- of um, all that, it's a it's taken off like wildfire. And they're so like.
0: good at introducing new cartridges and a lot of people say, Well, don't introduce a new cartridge, you know, bring out something that we need more stock of and it's like, well, there is stock or you can reload, but we gotta keep, you know, innovating our category. Yeah. Some things die mm-hmm. off. So, you know, when they when they partnered with Ruger for the three seventy five Ruger, fantastic cartridge. You know, you got three seventy five H and H been around for, you know, over a hundred years, taking everything, one of the best cartridges out there for big game doesn't mean you can't make some things better. You know, now we took it from a magnet action to a long action with 375 Ruger. Mm-hmm. And Horney was so instrumental in that, the 416 Ruger and the, the PRCs now. And what they put into R&D and innovation, it, just, it, it keeps pumping stuff into into our world, whether it's hunting, whether it's bench rest, practically, mm-hmm. There's so much that goes along with it.
1: Well, and so you, you have to you have to keep pushing it. You know, you have to come out with mm-hmm. new stuff because you never know, know what's going to stick, in, especially in the cartridge world. It's like uh, there's a lot of cartridges out there that got introduced and they just, you know, kind of mm-hmm. shit the bed. They just didn't pick up steam. But, yeah, like you said, it's like Hornady's really good at rolling out new stuff. Like, their marketing is on point. And they, um, before they start rolling it out, like, you can just tell they have all their ducks in a row when they're rolling it out. Like, they're already talking to rifle manufacturers and stuff. Like, hey, would you support this? And Like, oh, yeah, we'll support that. So they get a lot of support before they even um, – before they drop it and stuff. They're not just like – making a cartridge and just throwing it on the shelf saying, like, here it is. Everyone have at it kind of thing. It's like they're getting the support. And... And they put it in the hands
0: of real good shooters that can really push it and they're, yes. they're going to listen to them. But it's, it's, you know, you can even tie the correlation to Novix. Like you want Novix because you see guys use mm-hmm. it because they say it's the lightest, it's the best. When you have a new cartridge come out and you're seeing that these world records are being hit and these guys are winning these practical matches and you go, how far are you shooting? What's that drop? Like, oh man, mm-hmm. that's nice. Like you put it in the hands of people that can really test it, use it better it and then people see what they do and then then people want it and you know that's mm-hmm. how you, it's how you get that popularity and that's how it grows you know people that don't do it I don't, I don't pick on anybody but like i think the 6.8 Westerner, it's not a bad cartridge but no it's kind of fading off i don't see it as much anymore. well
1: so the 6.8 western that's it, it's a i think it's a great round honestly and i think yeah, it's, uh, is, is it is super is uh, when they came when uh because winchester they teamed up and mm-hmm. created it right um so you know obviously two rifle manufacturers as well big huge rifle manufacturers and so when they but when they came out with it like it, i feel like it was a good niche that um they filled and it was awesome but then they came out with like the, then Browning came out with a 270 fast twist and it's like well it's basically like i don't know like they, 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 you're they kind didn't of negating. behind it no yeah you're, just you're, the, you're kind of competing with yourself there yeah it's like you know just put everything you have in the 6.8 western and then you come out with the 270 fast twist and it's like well, it's kind of it's kind of negating the 6.8 Western's a- appeal there with um, being a a, a a bigger, you know, higher BC bullet and you needing know, a faster mm-hmm. twist barrel and stuff and everything else. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel, feel like it? they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with coming oh. out with the 270 fast twists as well. But, you know. Uh, I agree. And then, you know, look on the flip side of
0: the 350 Legend, like. I didn't know if that was really going to stick around, but it's like, no, think more things are coming out with mm-hmm. it. You know, Remington's pushing it more. There's just, it seems like that, that's, that's doing well and more, more platforms are coming out with it. You're yeah. seeing you know, states with, you know, the straight wall, you know, regs and things are, you know, firearms are coming out with that. So that one, it's like, well, it, it's going to have more legs. It's going to keep growing. But mm-hmm. I do remember when the 375 Ruger came out, people said, you know, hey, it's not going to last. It's not yeah. going to do it. Why?
1: Why a 375
0: Ruger when yeah. we have a 375 HH that does just fine, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, they, they stayed behind it, they pushed yep. it, they supported it, and going back to like Hornady, right? You you, you keep supporting it, and it's going to you know just, just just have its place in, in history. And now, you know, kind of sad, but, you know, because I'm, I'm Africa hunter, I like the Magnum Actions, right? So yeah. uh, CZ stopped with the 550 production, mm. and that was one of the last production Magnum Actions that you can really do a lot with. Now, Winchester still has her Model 70 and 375 H&H, mm-hmm. but the field was a little bit larger a few years ago. Now it's kind of dwindling. It is. And there's still options out there, but... It's kind of like, man, it's more people are moving away from the Magnum Action. Smaller market, not yep. a whole lot of guys going over there with the big stuff. So how much longer are some of these companies going to keep doing that to where, yeah, you've got to shoehorn these things into some long actions. And 375 Ruger did that very effectively. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's perfect justification to, yeah. to keep innovation going on these. And how do we better it? How do we make things you know, either more simpler for people, simpler for manufacturers, the efficiencies in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, like why not? Technology changes. Like look at bullet tech.
1: Oh, dude, it's insane. Like, it's just cha-
0: it's changed so much. Five years, ten years, let alone, you know, get to 20 or 50 years, how much has yeah. changed now, like, with what they're doing. And I love talking to the ballisticians. Like, when, like, when you listen to
1: them, you're like, dude. oh, you're my new favorite person. Yeah. <laughs> Half of it's going, like, way up here. Yeah, but I, I it don't sticks, understand. Like, I okay, love cool. it. <laughs> like, when you start throwing out all these crazy numbers and shit, I'm like, ugh, I don't know about that. But it does, like, the stuff I do understand, like, I can, I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to ballistics and stuff and it's like I'm not a ballistician by any means but Mm -hmm. um, I know enough obviously enough to um, do what I need to do but it's like, dude, when you hear someone talk, that it's like a different language. But it's so interesting yeah. and stuff. And then you, you, I start for me, I start making my notes and everything else, and I go back and do research on it because it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> half. It's going to go over my head right now, but I'm going to go back and do the research on it, and um, and then it'll start making more sense. You know, it's kinda oh like, yeah, absolutely. You know, army saying it's like when you get briefed on something, say like, all right, clear as mud. Like okay, moving on. You know, it's like <laughs> okay, cool. It'll start making sense the more we do it. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's just
0: always. I uh, I think all of us just you know strive to be you know, information gatherers and just learn yeah. as
1: much as we can. Yeah, you know, well, I, it's, it's, I think it's because in hunting, uh, that's one appeal with hunting that I notice that what draws me into deeper and deeper into hunting. Is uh, as my life goes on, it's like uh, you can get good at like you know like chess. Like you can become really good at chess. You can become really good at these other things. You can never really become like a good hunter you can become a knowledgeable hunter but i don't feel like anyone's really a good hunter because um so much is left to chance like you can't control what the animals do you know variables uh, so so many variables variables that you can't control you can't control what the animal does or where it's going to be or if it is um you know you zig and it zags you know you don't really know what's going to happen you can um stack the odds in your favor by having more knowledge but you're never going to have all the knowledge i don't think Mm. you're you're constantly learning even the guys that have been doing it for their entire lives and they um you know have all these different experiences and everything else it's like they're still constantly learning it's like you're never going to know everything about mm-hmm. hunting and there's just so much into it you can you know then you get really good with a gun and there's bow hunting and then there's this and then there's rifle hunting and then there's shotguns and it's all this different stuff and you're never going to know all of it i don't think so it's like it's a constant learning and keeps it interesting i think
0: yeah, i love telling people you know like it, it, it's it's why it's we call it hunting right it's not mm-hmm. shooting there, some stuff is shooting and i'll be first to oh, yeah. say you know i i have a, an upland dog i have a wire hair griff lover and we, we belong to a club in, in northern illinois and i love taking her out there because you know, it's her it's just her pride and joy right she loves oh, working, yeah. running the fields and i love watching her run the fields but you know they're, they're farm-raised birds right I, I know what they are and you know they have a chance, but I you know, love watching the dog work or instincts, and I call that shooting. Right? Is it right. hunting? Yeah, it's still hunting, but it's more so shooting. You know, mm-hmm. it's, the, the odds are, are definitely in our favor. You know, it's not a wild pheasant hunt. Right? Wild pheasant hunt where it's truly wild, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, but I call that shooting. Right? And that hunting is—it's so much variable. You know, you can be knowledgeable. You, you can read the signs and and, and make changes. You know, it's one of the reasons i love turkey hunting oh, yeah. um you know it's you, you're like all right i know where the roosted you know i was doing some you know owl calls i know they're there but still taking a chance are they going to come down in the roost where i want are they going to take off mm-hmm. are they still really there that night or yeah. what happened <laughs> um i always joke around too and say like i you know half the fun for me to turkey hunting is calling in the bird and th- then you shoot it. it's like sometimes i wish i could just make come back to life and let it run on yeah, it right because right? just that thrill of calling it in and it's like it's truly it's it, you know that's a lot of work to to call in a turkey and do it it right. And one mistake and it's gone, but man, it's, it's hunting.
1: Yeah. I feel like with turkeys, they're they're uh they're so dumb that it makes it hard. Yeah. You know, like yeah. no, that's, so, a, that's a good way like, to say they it. They have tiny little brains and stuff, but you it's so hard to pattern something with that they don't even know what they're doing half mm-hmm. the time. Like they're just <laughs> want it's like a it's like a feathered Roomba, you know? Yeah. It's like you're just wandering around in a field in the woods, and you're like, I can't get in front of this thing because I'm going to get in front of it, and it's going to be coming, coming, coming. And all of a sudden, it's like you see a redhead, and it looks around, and it's like gone. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> Come on. You were supposed to be here. You were here yesterday. Like, why aren't you here now? You know, it's like feathered Roomba that I'm going to remember that one for life but it's so true yeah it's so true yeah they're just they're so dumb that they're smart yeah a lot of that yeah but I mean their instincts are they know how to survive like their eyesight is insane mm-hmm. like bird's eyesights are ridiculous so it's like yeah you get all settled in and stuff but yeah they see one thing that's kind of out of place and they're just like man I'm just not gonna go over there yeah. they just go about their way but they're not like they're not like deer where deer comes in and sees something weird and it like bobs around for a little bit and then it blows at you a little bit and stops mm-hmm. and does all these things. Like, trees they just come in. There's like, mm, nope. And then, yeah. gone. Go the other way. Like, what the hell? Like, what, what did you see? Like, what <laughs> happened, dude? Like, <laughs> Is, I don't know, it, it's fun. It's so much fun. I'm so glad I don't have to choose between turkey hunt and deer hunting, though. Oh, yeah, you know, I, stuff, I don't. So. I don't ever go
0: for for turkey in the fall. Yeah, no, that, that's deer season. I love that spring season. Keep it separate. But yeah, more I'm talking to a few guys this year, and they're doing some some fall birds. And I was like, I don't know. I could, I miss it, but I, I think I, I like having it just in the spring. It's kind of like whitetail hunting, right? Like just yeah. in the fall. So you build up all year for it, and. Yeah, you know, I go from yeah. Well, this year was Africa to you know to, to fall season, and then I kind of transition to to pheasant hunting, mm-hmm. my upland game, and then I'll be back to turkey, and then a couple months preparation off or starting it all over again. Yeah,
1: are you going back to Africa next year? Like this so year, I I I'd like to go for twenty four. But I don't Would know if the wife will let me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big ass. <laughs> La- last one was a little expensive. Yeah, well, um, I mean, yeah. Buffalo I don't even know what an elephant costs. That's how yeah. that's how out of the price range it is for me right so, now. So <laughs> y- you know, I will say this:
0: if you partner with the right PH and you get a good hunt, so my hunt was a coal hunt. And oh, you believe it. Okay. Call elephants, but well, they're so overpopulated in the Save Conservancy mm-hmm. that there's a lot of tags for them. So I actually shot a tusked cow elephant. Um, because that t- there's actually multiple available because hmm. there's so many of them. I mean, it's kind of like how we control whitetail here, right? You you got to pull out a lot of the does, right? Yep. So it's same thing there. Um, and it's kind of interesting because when you when you get into the herd, it can't have a dependent calf, can't be visibly pregnant, right? Gestation on an elephant's twenty two months. So You don't want to holy that. shit twenty two months gestation. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't know it was that long. It is, and even one of the reason why you have to call them out. So elephants actually get like dementia; they have some issues, and Mm -hmm. you'll get an old matriarch, maybe some kicked out from the herd, or just kind of losing it. And they'll sometimes attack pregnant females Mm. because if they can't have, if they can't carry anymore, they just get like this. So a lot of the something, yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, you figure you got you got a bun in the oven for twenty two months, and you know you got eighteen months, and this this rogue elephant comes in and knocks you over, and you lose you lose that calf. So that's why mm-hmm. a lot of parks rangers and wildlife management they look at those and go, that that, that one is going to be key for call. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people think like you're going to go out there and just go shoot whatever you want, right? No, it's, you got the pH with you, and he's like, this is the one you're going to take. That not that one. You can't shoot that. You're going to mm-hmm. get in trouble. You Shoot that one. This one. Yeah. Um. So they have to be so you know, just perfect with with that. You know, um, making sure you get a good presentation, and they understand like in our case, elephant, no dependent calf, not visibly pregnant. And that's one you're going to take right mm-hmm. there.
1: It's very scientific the way they go about it. It's like they're mm-hmm. very particular. And that's one thing I love about Africa is that they're so particular because they're, they're just so careful about, like, uh, preserving what they have while also, um, you know, putting on good hunts and everything else. Like, it's um, such a – it's a balancing act that I feel like they've really mastered with their species Uh, um in and stuff so they're very in south africa is kind of the conservation success
0: story right so when they moved everything to private ownership and said this is yours you got to protect it and Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a lot of money in line there and you kind of keep the species going so you know the guys that own the ranches there right they do the aerial counts they come in they make sure there's good genetics there and yeah there's always some unscrupulous activity just like we have in the states sure are you ethics yeah but, you know, when they made it private ownership and put a lot of value to that animal, it ensured the survival of those species. That's
1: what I try to explain to people in America because um, there's still a lot of people in America that you sit, tell them, like, I'm going to go African hunt. And they kind of give you a puzzled look, like, ah, ah, that's kind of yeah. dirty. Like, that's for dirty trophy hunters kind of thing. like they, don't know. And they hunting, don't know. And trophy hunting has gotten shit on um, for years in America, for years. Even by other hunters, like North American hunters, like, ah, that's fucking bullshit, trophy hunting. You know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's um, getting a better name for it now when people start understanding it more and more. But it's like, it's one of these things where people, they, you know, you see down on the National Geographic and stuff and all these majestic creatures out there running around and doing their thing, and it's truly wild. But um, if they don't have... It's, you know, and some people may think it's kind of rude or maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe not rude, but it's like, uh, they don't like saying it, but it's like if these animals don't have a dollar sign or like, a uh,
0: if they don't have a value, if they don't have a
1: value, then they're going to be pushed out. Like mm-hmm. the people that own the ranches and stuff and own their property, they're going to, they need to make money. Like they need, they have a livelihood to sustain. So it's like either these wild animals sustain their livelihood or they're going to, kill them off or push them out and replace them with cattle and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what do you want? Do you want animals? Cause you got to hunt them. You got, mm-hmm. they have to have a value attached to them in order to keep them around. A lot of people are blinded by, you know, what we have
0: in America where you think of the big swaths of land and the wildlife yeah. all lives there. And well, it's not the case, you know, like in South Africa's success story, right? With what we just talked about Zimbabwe, I didn't see roadkill. I didn't see a single animal outside of the the parks mm-hmm. that were there. Cause everything's been hunted for food. They have no I shouldn't say they, but a lot of them have no concept for, you know, the sustainability and conservation of the animals. They don't see them as important. And, you know, the governments there are trying to work with them, educate. And that's why you have the SAVE Conservancy the yeah. various parks all over there to make sure we promote it or they promote it. And then they are able to keep these animals going forward. But yet people don't understand the trophy. hunting. they think, oh, you're just going there. You want a trophy on the wall. Mm-hmm. Do you understand, like, when I shot my elephant, one, there's overpopulation in the area. The elephant's destroy all the trees so if you have too many elephants are going to take down the trees you're not going to have the vegetation for the drafts the wildebeest all the other ones you know you're going to get to the point where there's overgrazing for maybe other animals and you get to soil erosion you have soil erosion area it's years before you can mm-hmm. grow back now it's a barren wasteland when i took that elephant you know how many hundred people are going to eat out of that elephant they're going to take that ivory and make jewelry out of it and sell it to tourists and you know do things with it to to be able to feed their family and get mm-hmm. more uh, just more supplies for their village. Um, the taxidermy, like when I got my cape buffalo, I'm employing the you know the park scout, the game rangers, or the PH. All the villagers are feeding them. You're paying them for doing the various things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the dining staff, the cooks, the security people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the laundry. You're funding so many different people. Yeah. Then the taxidermist, and then the shipping company, the guy that drives the crate mm-hmm. down over. So you know the amount that goes into them, and it's like well, a hunter spends. I wish I knew the statistic, but how much more than someone that goes on a photo safari? I think that's a photo safari, but, you know, hunters are employing so many people there and keeping that, you know, conservation going for all those animals. And there's a value associated with Mm -hmm. them, and that's why they're going to protect them. And, you know, they're they're so choosy with it. mm -hmm. You're not going to hunt an animal that's typically younger or still in breeding age, right? You know, they target old or out of breeding age. So Mm -hmm. they're not really adding more genetics. They've passed that on. And that's kind of not too much of a concept here in the States, but like my Cape Buffalo probably hadn't breed in two years. It was 11 plus years old. Mm -hmm. They all got aged, you know, that they pull teeth to age it. So there's a lot more going on there than a lot of people probably think
1: of no oh, yeah for sure and like eric's giraffe um he got a little bit of shit but not near as much shit as we thought we were kind of expecting with the Dr- giraffe sometimes so, oh giraffe. yeah no, <laughs> i see them in the zoo and they're they have big long black tongues and they're cool um which they are cool like they're awesome but uh so talking with, like stewart and stuff uh he was saying you know there's two giraffes on this farm that um you know pr- they are two bulls that need a big shot they're old bulls that were are they color- stinky, stinky? Yeah. oh yeah yeah. Yeah. That's how you you could smell an old giraffe, and you're like, oh, yeah. there's a giraffe around here. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty old. You <laughs> yeah. can just smell it. <laughs> yep. So there's two giraffes and they're actually black giraffes, which is oh, really cool. So, cool. so yeah. Eric shot a black giraffe, which is badass. But um yeah, as you were saying, he's like, you know, there's two giraffes here that need to be need to be shot, and there's one in particular, the one that Eric shot actually, he's like, it won't make it in another year. Yeah. Like they're either they're either gonna go in with a chopper and kill it mm-hmm. themselves, or someone's gonna shoot it or it's just going to die over the winter. He's like, this is not going to make it because it's kicked out of the herd. And also, so it's going to get taken down by predators or it's mm. just going to um, die or they're going to kill it because it's, it's a, it was a fairly aggressive draft because they, they it's, that it's kind of the MO of African game. When they get old, they you get a get little ornery when you get, get pushed out of the herd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. They start fucking up like uh, younger bulls they're mm. mm. immature bulls. And they just go and like, fuck them up and they could kill them. You know, and it's like, well, this guy just needs to go. Like he's he's done his time. Like he made it through. Mm-hmm. He was the king for a little bit. And they bit benefited. And they got the you know the fee for that. So yeah, you know, the property owner benefited exactly. If they went out the chopper, or if it just died um, nothing, throughout dude. the winter, then yeah, it's nothing. You know, th- like th- obviously, if they shot with, um, out of a chopper, then it's like okay, like they, they would still do something with me and all that other good stuff. But it's not the same. They wouldn't get that revenue from mm-hmm. you know Eric Payne for the draft and the, they, you, like, what you just explained. You explain it so eloquently, where it's like it's a whole economy, economy um, back behind there, it. Yeah. It's like it's it's, it's insane. When you really sit there and you, you have to get there you have to be there you have to go to africa to really see and really appreciate mm-hmm. what everything that goes into african hunting you know so and people like to cry like back in america they, like to, they watch the videos and they cry about you know like starving africans and stuff like that and it's like well go over there and do something about it then you know like yeah the the hungry, say it, but you know? yeah, are they actually going to do something no they're just going to cry about it and make other people feel bad about it and it's like yeah it sucks like there's a lot of poverty there a lot of poverty but it's like Hunter's are actually going over and like doing something about it, and they're having a good time doing it. So it's like I, I think it's a win-win across the board. I, I have that debate a lot. You know, actually, when I was I was at the uh, uh, TIA
0: um, Customs when I was doing my uh, my rifle paperwork for the importation, um, I, I told them they asked like, "Oh, what are you going to hunt?" And I was like, uh, "Cape buffalo, probably an elephant." And you could see on their face like, mm.
1: and Ele- I took, what?
0: You know, I gave my you know I got my spiel down a little bit probably here from what I said here and. After you know a minute, they're like, "Oh my God, really?" And you know, I was able to educate two of these uh, these customs officers on you know what truly goes on there, mm-hmm. and um, they, they they were they're like, I, "I never knew." And that's what I strive to you know bring education to the people that don't understand it in the hunting world. Oh yeah, you know, sure. so many people they, they they think it's taboo or they have these misconceptions about it, and that's what all of us you know all stewards of of conservation and hunting mm-hmm. have to do. You know, sometimes we want to stand on our pedestals and say, "You'll never understand" or "You just don't get it," but. You know, at the end of the day, you know we need to educate them. So yes. you know, our rights aren't taken away, our lands aren't taken away, and we've seen a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. where They cut lands away from us, so we can't have access to public lands. And private land keeps getting brought up. So just need to educate people on you know the benefits of hunting all over the world. Oh yeah, um, on, on what it can do for you know all the economies and the people there, and and what they've done. You know, how many, look at the, in that industry in South Africa. Who would have thought? You know, they would said private ownership here, and. Whew, flourished the game Mm -hmm. farming when you know they just have and we bring in a chunk of income but like the game farmers you know when when they just have locals coming and game hunt you know that industry there's huge
1: oh yeah yeah yep it's just totally
2: totally
0: changed it around for them and yeah, just what what a success story and botswana opening back up and Mm -hmm. then you see some just stupid things like yeah kenya who's burning they burned what a hundred and over a hundred million dollars worth of ivory that they confiscated from (laughs) posters so isn't that fucking stupid like you have like Supply and demand, flood the marketplace. There right. are poachers going out and shooting these things mm-hmm. you know, left and right to get that because there's a demand for it and there's a shortage. Like You have $100 million of, of ivory plus sitting somewhere, flood the market with mm-hmm. it so they go, well, the poacher is going to go, well, now I only get this much to shoot an elf right. and I won't go do it anymore. There's no point. Exactly. Rhino right. horn, same thing. South Africa won't let – there's 4 four or $5 billion dollars worth of rhino horn in private ownership harvested – humanely from rhinos where they cut it it's keratin it regrows yeah it's exactly. a renewable resource you got four or five billion dollars plus of this and in, mm-hmm. in warehouses and, and south african government won't let it flood the marketplace you got places in asia using this aphrodisiac treat, treatment for ed whatever it is yeah flood that market because mm-hmm. people think dehorning does something the public does not understand and you've heard from guys that have you know caught poachers that you have a dehorned rhino. All right, they think it's safe. No, it's not safe because a poacher is going to spend one, two, three days, whatever, going after that, and poachers have killed the dehorned rhino, Mm -hmm. and they ask them, why did you shoot it? They didn't even have the horn, and they said, I didn't want to waste time tracking it again. Oh, sure. So they don't want to spend all their time tracking something that they're not going to get, so they'd just rather kill it. Just kill it. Rhinos are that one species. They're they're worth more dead than alive. It costs so much money to keep a rhino alive, Mm -hmm. protect it from poachers, and I've been at some ranches there where – You know, there's a couple rhino, and one of them was poached, you know, so many months before, and it's just sad you drive by the site. they're just such a majestic animal. I dude, they're so him. badass.
1: Oh, they're, they're the best. They're, they're so, so cool.
0: cool looking. They're like, yeah, just so archaic looking, but yeah. you know, they're just tanks and we ran into uh two um black rhinos while we were in Zimbabwe. You just never see them, and it's so cool and you know if they turn around
1: and just got mad at you, you'd be done. No, <laughs> so, dude, he's <laughs> so fast. Oh, no, it's just such a cool looking animal, but it's an armored vehicle it's with a, a huge spear coming out of its face. Like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and, you know,
0: I thought like I was nervous around the elephant and Cape buffalo, but those guys they're like you don't get too close because nothing's going to stop a rhino. Well, it's kind of no, like an elephant dude. too, but oh, it's crazy. <laughs> they're it's, they're nuts. They're, they're just nuts and just oh, what a what a cool animal. So, but cool. yeah, got to get got to flood the market. Get rid of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that huge demand. Flood it. Get it out there and just get it get it legal coming out because then poachers are going to stop. Yes, if you can go out there and buy it affordably. There's no point to poach them because a poacher mm-hmm. can get I think upwards of like five or ten thousand dollars. And it's like they can live for very comfortable. One horn for one horn. Jeez, they can live very comfortably. Oh, that goes you know, a long ways. Oh, America. there it goes yeah, huge. They're set for, and that's why they risk their life mm-hmm. to do it. You know, because yep. they can live like a king for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you know, just get get that out there because you can dehorn, grow it back, and yeah, rhinos need it for part of you know just the, their genetics, what they do with it. You know, the rubbing. There's a lot to it, but if it saves the species,
1: to have some, get them, you know, cut every once in a while. I think if rhinos could talk, they would be like, yeah, totally. Yeah, Like just cut it off like to save the species? Like this is what people want so bad? Like, okay, fine. Hey, if you told me like yeah. no Sh- shave the beard and our species will be saved, okay. Yeah, <laughs> hey, shave my beard. There's <laughs> a bunch of dudes in China that use beard hairs as an aphrodisiac. Um, You can either get killed by poachers yeah. or you just shave your beard and give it to them and sell it to them. And it's like, yeah, okay, Done. I'll just shave my beard, dude. No big deal. <laughs> Easiest decision yeah. ever, right? Okay, yeah. Our people will stop getting murdered. Mm-hmm. and stuff for this like yeah totally it makes sense like i'll figure it out without it for a bit mm-hmm. and, and, until it grows back you know it's like it's just it, it is because stewart he talked about that in depth too when we we're down there he's like he says the exact same thing he's like just flood the, flood the market we have the horn we mm-hmm. have it it's, it's 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 the fact that the the black or uh the yeah the black market is so um powerful because mm-hmm. there's such a demand for it it's like we have the supply We just need to figure it out, and we can – not only would it stop the poaching, but it also helped the economy. So it's like it's – that's another win-win situation, but it's just the politics. We saw it with Cecil the lion,
0: right? You know, there's that huge uproar, and now we're going to get a little political with this, but Obama was the worst thing that happened to lion hunting ever. When he put the kibosh on lion hunting after Cecil, that legal hunt, you know, Mm -hmm. we had – You know, uh, there was the byproduct of the lion trade. So you can American hunter, go over there, hunt a lion. You know, they want to get the skull. They want to get the cape. That was great. But the bones and other things, that went overseas to Asia. And when we put the kibosh on lion hunting imports into the country, Mm -hmm. Americans said, well, I'm not going to spend all that money to go hunt a lion then. There's no point. Yeah, can't bring them back. Can't bring them back. So I remember the first time I was over there, my PhD showed me pictures of lions with the heads and the paws cut off because that's what they wanted. So they said, "Well, they're still. We, we literally started the poaching industry or, or made it a lot larger when Obama said we're not going to be able to bring in lions. So they still want their byproducts. They're going to go out and start poaching lions, and um, it, it totally changed the lion industry. And then it kind of also brought out the whole concept of uh, you know CBL hunting and changed that. So that that one incident, you know, when, when you try and." Think when you don't know, and you think something, and you make a bad call. The repercussions that had for the lion population mm-hmm. in Africa, both you know, wild managed wild lion, um, you know, just captive bred, everything. It's just the ramifications
1: are just. They, they, some people don't think they don't understand yeah. it. That's why I hate politicians so much because it's oh. like they're so they're so good at making rash decisions based on emotion. It's like, dude, like I get that people are pissed. I get that. But take this time to educate the masses, rather than mm-hmm. just be like, "I agree with you. This is terrible. Let's fucking ban it." Then this is this is dumb. It's like, dude, you don't get it. Like, the The ramifications behind it. like, politicians are so bad at looking at the unintended unintended consequences of their decision making. Mm-hmm. Like, they're good at making decisions on the spot. Like, I shouldn't say good at it. Like. They make they they make rash decisions on the spot based on emotion. They don't either they're not being fully you know either they're being disingenuous about it or they're just not thinking. Like one or two. I don't know what it is, but probably the more disingenuous aspect of things, like when they're getting yelled at by like certain voters and stuff like that and they're like, Oh, I have to make a decision in order to justify my job it's like dude Mm -hmm. or you could, you know, the The right decision is rarely the easy decision. Like, yep. But you need to make the right decision. Like this is dumb. Like what you're doing and the unintended consequences of your actions is hurting so many people, so mm-hmm. many people. So it's like, dude, get out of here. And now with so many towing the party line more
0: than anything, you know, are, do they are they really there for the people? Or are they there just to pull the party line? Are they going to do what's right? Probably not. Probably not.
1: And they're sense. all and they're all the same. Like they all just they're just. <laughs> yeah, it's it's annoying. This, this is where is I, I, I fucking yeah, tug that history,
0: you know, degree line of mine. Right, like yeah, our, our founders never intended people to be career politicians. No, never
1: supposed to happen. So term limits, yes, yeah, needs to happen. Well, they they never even thought about it, dude. It's like back in no. the, back in the two hundred years ago, the mm-hmm. founding fathers when they're writing the constitution, and all that shit. It's like they weren't thinking like, oh yeah, people are going to be a senator for you know. Fifty years, they yeah. never yeah, jinx. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they never thought about that. They're like, well, this is an inconvenience. Like it's something. It's a service that you have to do. Like someone has to do it. Like they didn't look at it as like a a, a career path or a get rich quick scheme. They didn't think about it like that. They're like, well. Someone's got to do it, and they're not going to want to do it for, you know, forever. Like, that's silly. There's so much. It's so stressful, and, it's you know, it doesn't pay well at the time. You know, it's like it's one of those things where it didn't make sense to do it forever. Yeah, but then, a lot of people <laughs> wouldn't
0: want to do it because it was considered, you know, obviously you get paid less. So it was almost a downgrade for what they were doing, you yeah. know, for especially from the elite. Now it is considered the elite, and it was never meant to be that
1: no. way. No. No, it was really meant for people that, you know, uh, they have their life – kind of got their life put together beforehand maybe they you know were farming or whatever they're super they're successful in other aspects like okay now i gotta go do my service mm-hmm. and go be a senator or a politician for a bit and figure it out and make and drive this country forward and make good decisions but now it's just like i don't know it's it's so oh man i i yeah, it's just so far away from what this country is built on. It's insane. That's, I, lo- I love people
0: that uh, that were not politicians. You know, and sometimes you need a businessman to get the. Get the world on track, get yeah, the on track right. but uh, people that are not politicians coming into it, I fully believe that's you know that was the intention of the founding fathers, and you know the, they set up the house to be you know your your, your kind of common house, and the Senate was supposed to be a little more experienced. That's why we have the the the, the terms that we do in those, and mm-hmm. never meant to just be career in the House of Representatives, let alone career in the nuts. Senate. God, it, it, it's crazy when you think yeah. about it. They're doing it, and then how much money? Like, oh, you had twenty nine thousand when you went into it, and now you have twenty nine million. <laughs> Come on, uh, dude. I, I know 100,
1: 175000 dollars is what a senator gets paid. I think it's like that's decent, you know. A well, plus but their staff, let's plus face their it. war chest. And I, 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 there's no way I could um, if I worked a job that paid one hundred seventy five grand. I wouldn't be worth 20, $29 dollars in like thirty years. No, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, you, <laughs> it's you like, like, what are you doing, dude? The, uh, what are
0: like you guys this, doing here? <laughs> there's a couple websites out there that that because you have to report, obviously, their stock trades and all that. Sure. Right? So I know there's websites out there now where you can see what Congress is doing with their trades, and oh, yeah. that's how they make their business. they'll tell you what they do because, again, come on, yeah, you know, like you're
1: making the moves right at the perfect mm-hmm. time. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, many of them. Yeah, hell yeah! Like Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband, he's like the best day trader ever oh known to man. God, yeah. like he's better than Warren Buffett and everyone. Tell me, there's not inside the knowledge shit. in that? One. <laughs> Jeez, yeah Jesus. he's just very good at what he does. Right? So, and, and I'll, I'll go both sides here. Going
0: back to like, like Mitch McConnell. Like, how long has he been there? Like, come on, man, just pass it off. Get, get, get someone new in there. We need new blood, right? Like, yeah. Like Dan Crenshaw down in Texas, you know, the up-and-coming. You, you need just some new blood mm-hmm. coming into the fold that's, uh, that, that's going to bring life back to the parties. And it re- I'd love to be middle ground. I really – like right now – or as divisive we have ever been in my life, right? Oh, for sure. Um, but I'd love there to be middle ground again so, you know, we can we can come together and come across, Sal, instead of being so divisive. But it's got to be new blood, you know, just be open to conversations and not pull the damn party lines. Mm-hmm.
1: Jeez, Pete, knock it off, you two. Sorry, we had uh, two people walk in. They're making a lot of racket back there. I heard this <laughs> conversation, and said I need to get in on that. Right? Yeah. Start talking politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Politics.
0: Yeah.
1: Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner. How, how many family same... members we don't talk to now because right. of politics? They're talking right. about politics, and Lee starts throwing fucking chairs across the room. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. It, it, you're absolutely right, and I agree with all of that. It's like it's just it's sad. It's sad. But you know. <laughs> What a lot of people say is, like, what do you do? You know, just try to – I'm trying to just focus more on myself and what I can do around in my life. But I do like to talk about it every once in a while, especially with um, being on a gun podcast. And there is inherently we're going to talk politics every once in a while because there's – the gun ish, uh, issue is and, so political. And it comes in cycles, but it's constantly in cycle. it seems like, where it's like, I'd right, sit here and justify the, the you know our rights to these fucking cowards. It sucks. It's hitting me near and dear right now. So I live in Illinois, right? So we have oh, you know, do we have one of the
0: most draconian laws that went into effect in the country? Mm-hmm. So you know, as of January first, you know, if, uh, well, the year before that. Any semi-automatic rifle that was capable of holding more than 10 rounds, any pistol, semi-automatic pistol was capable of holding more than 15. And the way it was written was capability or being able to be converted. So it was almost – 10-22s technically fall into that. Fucking everything, dude. Everything falls into anything, 50 caliber. So if you – you couldn't buy it after a certain date and then you had a year to be able to register everything. That included magazines. Mm -hmm. How many 30-round AR mags you got? Every single one of them has got to be registered. They're not even serial numbered, but you had to call the Illinois State Police, go online. And, being, and you had to register, all these mags, but then you look at a rifle, like it said being able to be converted." and the language was that of such that you know we asked the you owner know, I say police multiple times, like, "How much is easily?" Is it fifteen minutes? Is it thirty minutes? Because mm. you know they sell magazines that are sixty rounds for you know ten twenty two. You can get you know, a twenty round mm-hmm. you know mag for it. So like, well, does that constitute on ten twenty? It's it's the most widely available twenty two rifle out there. Yeah. So is it? We we still don't know. In Atlanta, we still don't know if
1: that's actually no because you know part they, of it. They didn't write the laws to actually fix anything.
0: Not no, nothing. It's the legal gun owners have more. You know, just like everything else, you have a lot more to have to deal with. You know, pulling stuff away. But I feel bad for you know. I had a, a fair amount. Have a fair amount of stuff, right? But you know, you get these young guys. Now we're saying that hey, you got this young guy that's coming out of school, coming out of the army. He can't buy an Air 15 mm-hmm. Like what? like mm-hmm. their the second amendment was literally written to protect us from the government to be able to have what they have. Mm-hmm. I don't you know, all the all this all this bullshit about, you know, like oh well they didn't have AR15s back then. Well, we also didn't have some of the, the platforms and news agencies and internet too. So does that mean it's not protected by the first amendment either? Like you have to evolve with it. Mm-hmm. And the second amendment guaranteed us right to have the same type of implements firearms that the military had So just in case like it's there to protect the people from the government. It's right. not there for the government to control.
1: Right, and yeah. they all too often don't think about that. No, and the thing is too, like you hear this the conversation and the recycled, uh, you know, jargon that a lot of people use uh, to justify them being anti whatever type of gun, whether it's an AR-15 or what, whatever. I don't know. It, it, these quote unquote like assault rifles. Right. Um, but when you look back and like the, con- um, when the constitution was getting written, uh, I think it was James Madison. He was con- like the father of the constitution. Right. And the, mm-hmm. he was a federalist and you had the federalists and the anti-federalists and the anti-federalists were like, we don't want a constitution cause that's going to give the federal government way too much fucking power. We just don't want any constitution. We don't want any of that shit. We just want to be America. We all want to be sovereign, sovereign territories in this, um, country that mm-hmm. we trade together. Basically. Almost like each state was its own separate country yeah. that works together for mm-hmm. a common cause of the whole, right? Yep. Um, so the anti-federalists were really didn't want the Constitution, but um, the federalists ended up winning. You know, Madison went on a huge, um, you know, speaking tour and everything else, and got a lot of states convinced, you know, to adopt the Constitution and sign it in and everything else. And In order to um, persuade the not persuade, but the anti-federalists with with their argument was like, okay. We'll back the Constitution. We'll back this as long as immediately after the signing of this document, we come out with this, the Bill of Rights, right? Mm-hmm. We became to know. But we need these these amendments need to get passed at, immediately after ratification of the Constitution in order to protect ourselves like, for these things. And Madison was like, "Well, we don't need that because it's common sense. Like, got the time. Yeah, you're like, we don't think, we don't need yeah. to write that down." <clears throat> and after bickering back and forth and um, arguing and everything else, and Madison. Eventually, they came. The federalists came to realization. Like, okay, well, yeah, maybe this does make sense. In order to write this stuff down, just to make sure, like, we don't know mm-hmm. how we don't know how long the country is going to last. But we should probably write it down. If we're going to write out the Constitution and, and explicitly write out the powers of the federal gover- federal government, then we should probably write something separate and have these amendments to protect the citizens from yep. the fucking federal protect government the people from So the government. it's like and the first thing that the British did when you know the revolution war started off they, they were confiscating guns. Yep. And that's what really started the whole fucking thing. So it's like yeah. It obviously makes sense like the the second amendment was written. It wasn't like the a well regulated militia part and everything else they could construe that and say like yeah, well um right to bear arms within the militia. It's like no. It's like it is separated. Like it is like we we are entitled to a re- well regulated militia, that's not controlled by the federal government, and we're also <clears throat> entitled to bear arms. Right. So keep them bear- from people. We just had Bruin and Heller, you know, with the Supreme
0: Court too, where they just ruled like, no, this, we are protected by this, and we're seeing like Oregon just did another one too, where Illinois is one of the worst right now. But it's like they we have these Supreme Court decisions which should you know you know kind of set precedent. And they're going around it. They're trying to find loopholes. So obviously, you know, these have worked their way through the federal courts, the appellate court. In Illinois, we're never going to win any of that. No. Yeah, we, had, we actually, Judge McGlynn, you know, he sided with it, and he was pretty smart with with, with him, and he put an injunction in place. So it was overruled by the appellate. So Illinois Supreme Court, of course, just thud, nothing yeah. there. So we're going to the Supreme Court with it. You know, there's a variety of lawsuits, and you know, hopefully it just gets overturned, but... Um. It would, frankly, it just needs to because you're right now. They want to know who has guns. You mm-hmm. don't want people to know who you know what you have. Yeah. If you bought on our 4473, you know anyway. Mm-hmm. You know you don't need to know how many magazines I have. There's no point for that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but just, so again, hopefully it gets overturned so the guys that are coming out and you know getting of age and you know they could start buying guns themselves because the most popular gun in America, the AR-15, mm-hmm. they cannot own. Like, it, it, it's just incredible like what pistols out there. You know, most of the pistols now, magazine capacity, that's a trend. You know, it's oh, yeah. 15 rounds. It's its kind of like it's a subcompact Micro 9 now is almost <laughs> right. <of> that, right? <laughs> that, yeah, that's, <laughs> just the,
1: that, that's the standard
0: now is over 10 That's like rounds, the standard. You, you know? know, like, like my, my carry is like, well, that's 14 yeah. rounds at least. And, you know, yeah. that's a P365. I right. yeah, probably get more in there now too. I haven't looked <laughs> lately. But you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a joke and it, man, it just needs a change cause, or, or you need, you gotta vote with your feet sometimes. You don't want to yeah. have to move, but I'm not beyond that, you know, uh. For, for what I've learned, like sometimes if, if Illinois doesn't change, you got to go to a state that matters. You got hop the river, dude. Well, I'm, I'm going over to Wisconsin. I'm, I'm, so I'm <laughs> oh, like you, in the oh, middle north of Northville. I'm a baseball throw from Wisconsin. Oh, player. fuck. And yeah, we, they we need know. some help turning that from purple back to red. So. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Wisconsin's scaring me. A few.
1: It's, yeah, thank God. The last election, we got Johnson in, but he was <laughs> yeah. like, what the
0: hell? <laughs> yeah,
1: I was getting going to be surrounded pretty soon here. It's like, dang, dude. <laughs> you know? yeah. oh. But it is kind of weird because I was getting redder and redder every year, it seems like. Mm. It's like, I feel like there's something to that when states around us are turning bluer it's kind of like well a little red there there's like well we're just gonna jump to iowa then making Mm -hmm. the state redder so it's like and as long
0: as the exodus from blue states that go to red states if they learn from their past and
1: do not vote the same way
0: you always fear that with texas right so many californians going to texas like learn why it is the way it is Mm -hmm. you left a shithole Learn why Texas mm-hmm. is what it is and make sure you vote appropriately. Yeah, don't turn this into a shit shit Don't, don't, don't ruin everything. And I, I, I like to think, you know, we're seeing some of that, you know, Florida growing, it's getting redder and redder. Mm-hmm. And Ohio turning red and, you know, Michigan, I don't know if it's a lost cause. Minnesota, I don't know if it's yeah, a lost cause. Wisconsin, much. we got it. Trying to figure it out. Get back. Yeah, figure yeah, it out. Pennsylvania. It out. That's enough said there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no shit. So, I, I <laughs> it's know too far east now. So <laughs> yeah. everyone just got, just got to come out and you know, vote. Vote with their head and, yeah. and be smart, not just their heart. You got to vote with your head. You no, know, don't want to hear anymore. You know, mean tweets, bad. No, not, yeah. no more like that. Vote. Vote smart. Like, when was inflation at? It's you know, at vote a based point. on policy. Let's do that. Policy. Let's what do that. what what actually happened? What was good for the economy? Mm-hmm. what was good for the country. You know, I, it's just be be proud to be an American. That's that's about this industry. Right. Like we're all proud to be Americans. You know, we can, we can get mad, you know, a little bit of road rage, mad and you know, someone driving next to you being too loud, but man, when it when it comes down to the colors, like we'll we'll back each other as mm. we stand for
1: the flag. The thing is like, about this country that I um would love to see it go back to is the fact that it's like I'd love to see it go back to looking at the country and everyone inside of it as, you know, a family. You know, where it's like mm-hmm. I can fucking get in super heated arguments with my brother and sister, but I still love them. You know, we can disagree on things, and yep. uh, the baseline is love, right? So we love each other, so therefore we can get in heated arguments because we know that that's not going to the base isn't going to be broken down. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable with each other, and it's like that's, that's kind of how we used to be. We used to um, argue based on you know um, policies and argue about policies. We can do that all day, but as long as we it's all based in like love and respect for one another, then you can do that and still walk away from an argument or a disagreement and be like, you know, what? I still love you. I think you're mm-hmm. dumb. I think you're dumb, but I still love you. Still you, know? love it's like, you. It was all coming out. You a can place still of love, love and respect. respect you know, yeah. you can still do respect. that. Respect. So, we, yeah, but now lost. you can't disagree. You can't disagree respectfully anymore. It's like you don't agree with me. You're a fucking piece of shit, then, yeah. dude. It's like you suck. I'd say one side probably
0: worse than the other on it. Yeah, you can. I, I can listen to people, but the second I try and bring up something, you know, supported by facts or not, you know, it's facts, not feelings. But mm-hmm. mm, no, hands down, no, can't, can't accept that. And I know it happens on, on both sides. Oh, too, for sure. Right? So not not to keep the divisive tone going, but it's it, it's so tough to have any kind of debate. And mm-hmm. you know, one one of our uh, our suppliers. Um, that, uh, that actually makes powder for Novix, you know, great, great company, um, that uh, I, I can have i have great conversations with them they're actually from england you know they emigrated here that the american dream right mm-hmm. they left england and like what's happened they coming here Mer- american dream and you know we differ on some policies but you know they're good industry people oh yeah um, but we can talk with them and i, I can have really good uh, you know conversations debates but we differ on this stuff and i was like man you know i, I just I, I really enjoy talking to him for that because mm-hmm. he's, he's not someone that shuts down gets angry starts yelling at you literally just how many videos you see is you, oh, you're at geez. a protest and they don't agree with it, they just start screaming at you yeah. like, well that's how you know you lost the
1: argument yeah right? lost a debate done (laughs) nothing's gonna come out of this and we're not moving past this part all right Mm -hmm. nice talk moving on you know (laughs) just like gotta bring it
0: back together you know the whole united we stand and i'm i'm a a huge patriot i think we you know both of us Mm -hmm. very much are and i love my memorial day you know truly understanding the meaning of it but i put you know my red white and blue bunting out i got a flag on my yard 24 7 365 Mm -hmm. it is an american household and, it, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I have pride in my state, you know, mm-hmm. from Illinois, pride in it less, a little bit less now, but still yeah. do Moved to North Carolina for a while, pride in that saved just pride in the country and just need to bring it all back together and just we say, do. Hey, we're, we're here united. We stand greatest country in the world. I've traveled all over the world, um, worked all over Asia, you know, been to Africa, been a lot of places, Man, not, not another country I'd rather, rather live yeah. in and, and be a part of than America.
1: It's, it's undeniable. Like America, undeniable. America is the best country in the world to live in no matter what, like, I mean, just, we, you know, with, um, there's just there's a lot of issues obviously, but it's still the best country to live in. And if you want to make something of yourself, if you can't do it in America, you can't do it anywhere. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a great country. And that's why I get so passionate about it too. where it's like, I don't want to see it fall. You know, it's like mm-hmm. my little voice that's if why I can you do, put your life yeah, on. If I, you know, if I can so do anything to help, then that's what I, I I feel like it's um, my duty to talk about this kind of shit every once in a while, at least. I don't like to base the whole podcast on it, but it's, mm. it's good to talk to, to touch on it here and there when it comes up cause, and not shy away from it. That's the that's the thing. It's like I don't shy away from like talking politics and religion because it's like that's, those are important subjects that need to be mm-hmm. discussed. But you just got to figure out a, a good way to discuss them with people mm-hmm. that differ, you know. So, uh, oh, that's oh, how yeah, I feel about it, but. As long as you can be open with someone and be
0: respectful and they can be respectful back, then you can have it. And that's the best kind exactly. of conversations they have. You know, I, I like to understand where they're coming from. I may not agree with it, but I'll listen to it. I'll understand it. You know, People that disagree with me, I, I truly know why they think that way. Mm-hmm. I just think different. And somewhere along the way, we, we, we lost that reasoning of it's okay to think different. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's okay if you don't like – I don't eat fish. Uh, I just I just don't like it. There's no reason. <laughs> I just don't. And that's okay, right? Now, politics, like, you don't like him for that reason. Uh, okay, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But you don't got to get in a fight over it. You don't got to say, I'm a bad person. I'm a deplorable right. because yeah. I supported somebody that's against you. Like, come on. Mutzlinging just needs to stop. We don't need weak. to be muckrakers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, um, let's, let's shift a little bit and talk a little bit about half rack. We, Uh we touched a lot on (laughs) Novix and stuff and everything else. And I love talking about that stuff, but I do want to get to get to half rack as well.
0: Yeah. So, so half rack is, you know, kind of your, your all around hunting accessory brand. Like we wanted to, to come out with a brand that, uh, you know, quite frankly, you're not going to find it at Walmart. Um, you know, we wanted to bring something out that can go to the dealers, that can also be a little bit different. So we spent a lot of time, you know, kind of thinking this through. And, you know, my background, where I came from, there was holes in the marketplace for certain accessories. And we mm-hmm. wanted to bring something cool out to the customer with neat branding that they weren't going to, you know, dealers aren't going to compete with at these big box stores. And that offers something a little bit different. so, you know, what we call our bow wing is our, our, our gear holder screw into the tree that, you know, obviously holds your bow. We have mm-hmm. a couple different lengths of it. So there's a lot of them out there on the market, right? But we're like, how do we make these things each a little bit different? Well, on the joint, you know, we put a bolt, a quarter, 20 threaded screw, and we have a, you know, a a tension uh, nut on it. So we wanted to be able to, someone to be able to mount a GoPro, a cell phone mount cam. A thermocell. So we built this accessory that everyone's got the basic one of, and we put this quarter twenty threading so they can add a you know they can video themselves they can put a thermocell on there if you're out in the south especially, mm-hmm. but that's one little different thing on our bow arm that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. So we went down the line with a lot of our accessories. To say how do we how do we make this a little bit different? You know our our basic binocular harness. You know it's got quick detach. You don't got to deal with zip ties and split rings and all that. So <laughs> quick detach on and off. And then we wanted to bring something out that looked a little different. So our bow case—I'm um, sorry, our rifle and bow cases—we have two different series. Where you have your little more basic series. It's a 600 denier, but it's it's PVC back, so it's actually a waterproof material. Water will bead right off of it. Seams aren't sealed, stitches aren't sealed. But if it gets a little drizzle on there, gets a little wet, it beads off. A lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we the have wire our following. Yeah, exactly. Perfect for that. And you know, we, we're actually that's another marker. We're going to push a little bit more in, but so it's not your waterproof. But hey, it, it, it can get a little wet and be okay. Yep. Um, we have our Wazi gun case, which has kind of a like a Boyt esque look to it, where mm-hmm. it's quilted canvas and it's oh, got yeah. full leather patches on there. But it's a great looking case, well padded, and you know it's like around fifty bucks retail. And, you know mm-hmm. those Wildcats are like twenty dollars retail. Um, but yeah, you know, just down the line, making you know your your orange accessories, your balaclavas, your your neck gaiters, gambrel and Hoist systems. You know, trying to tweak everything to, to make it a little different, make it our own and truly be geared towards really it started as a white tail hunter so our logo is you know kind of like when you think that first buck you're going to shoot you're it's kind of, if it's brown it's down if you know if it's oh, a legal yeah. one so if you look at you know our logo it's nothing special but yeah it's you know half rack sometimes you'll shoot whatever you can get and it's mm-hmm. you know it's a little like three pointer and and that's kind of what we're aspiring to you know passing down the memories you're going out for the first time You need these items that every hunter needs, you know, your basic flag and tape, your gambrel, you're going out and you know, we have one of our slogans is, you know, just just fond memories. You know, what you Mm -hmm. learn from your, your, your dad or you learn from your grandpa, these core accessories get them out in the field every hunter needs them and um just just a, a lot of kind of just a lot of pride in the half rack for what it is just built to be a brand for the dealers for the true users you're not going to be competing with some of the big boys that are just you know chasing that that best price and right. we didn't want to do that at all we wanted to kind of be true to ourselves it's not going to be ever it's not going to be huge but we want to make sure dealers have an option that's, that's not like everyone else out there that's true. got good branding you know the hunter's really thinking about the product but at the same time it's cost competitive so if you have a competitor in there you know probably get you some better margin and just swap out that peg whether mm-hmm. it's a leather sling it's a neoprene stretch sling you know everybody needs yeah. them we all use them we all have gun socks we all have a lot of them uh-huh.
1: well, so it's all stuff that's needed and that's that's i, I was perusing your guys uh, website and stuff uh before you came in yesterday and stuff a little bit too but that's one thing too i've been looking around because i have a uh, ruger m77 hawkeye that i just bought mm-hmm. not too long ago you know controlled around um, okay. control around feed like I, this is a sexy looking rifle. I'm like, yeah, man, I, I need to get a, a really nice leather sling for. It. I can't just slap a synthetic sling on this. Like, Dude, I need to. I need to get. Yeah. So I was looking at that and I saw that leather sling. I'm like, fuck, that's what I need. I need to get and, one of them. And
0: that's one where a lot of people that like they add these cutouts and different things. So it's like, no, we want the classic, leather, yeah, leather sling. Yep. A little bit of stitching, a little bit of brand placement. Not, not huge in your face, but just really classic looking, but still have that leather sling option. Yeah, no, it's it's it looks now, nice too. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, we we try to make it look good, but still, you know, fill the categories mm-hmm. as needed. On the flip side, we also want to push the bounds a little bit. So, a couple new items we brought out this past year. We have, you know, what we call the meat lug. So there's a lot of coolers on the market. So this is a soft-sided, oh, yeah. you know, meat lug cooler, but it's designed for the deer hunter in mind. So it's 840 TPU, odor resistant, chemical resistant, 100% waterproof, insulated. Mm-hmm. It's got a fully waterproof garage style zipper on top, but the size of it is designed so it can fit behind the seat of a car like a pickup truck it'll fit behind the seat of a pickup truck but it holds like 90 some cans worth of uh Mm. worth of storage (laughs) you can you can fit two dough um you know caped out with ice one large buck caped out with ice Mm -hmm. in our large size and there's still a little bit of room left okay won't hold stink easy to clean keeps ice for you know ice retention is great but, you know, also design the back of the, back of the, the tail, um, sorry, the, um, the pickup truck. We put handles low on the side so it's easy to slide in and out, pull mm-hmm. just, we really thought about how do we make a soft-sided cooler really for the hunter then we said we're going to make a little brother for it. We bought out an airline compatible one so the guy that's going to fly somewhere. He's going on that really cool hunt. Wants to bring some, you know, back with him, a little bit more meat. Going on a fishing trip, wants to bring it back, but he's got to use it as a carry-on. We have a carry-on compatible one that's oh, you know, nice. uh, you can use through through airport and you're fine. We fly with it all over the place. Mm-hmm. But same thing, it's just scaled down a little bit. Fits the 22149 airline dimensions. and uh, We call those our meat lugs, but it's it, you know, it's really a, it's a hunting design cooler and another neat one we, we call the hunter hanger um so this one's made in the usa uh, it's made up in wisconsin but you know it's essentially a, a molded peg uh, with a molded in bolt that goes through the wall and you can hold your bow you can hold your rifle you can hold your tree stand mm-hmm. gear you know I, I have them all over the garage you know d- down kind of in, in where i where i keep my some my, my trophies <laughs> but you know, it can hold almost anything on there but it's designed for hunters you know a, by hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we call it our Hunter Hanger, and it's got a peg stop on there. It's just definitely something you got to really check out, so the, the half-rack Hunter Hanger. But, you know, just just great for tree stand, bow, rifle, um, just well thought out, and that one's made in the USA, so really mm-hmm. happy about that that's one That's awesome. Too. No, that's
1: really cool. As, um, it's one thing, because there's a couple other companies that are just – they're known just for, like, their, their accessory companies and stuff like that. But um, you, it seems like you guys – just it on the website and stuff, too, you put a lot more thought and stuff. And you're not just, like, shotgun blasting a bunch of different accessories out there and stuff. And they're all, they all seem like they're um, – like I said, I haven't handled any of them. But um, I think Kurt has a couple of your guys' products, actually. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like um, a tier above accessory-wise, like – Quality,
0: I guess, accessory quality-wise is what I'm getting at. We're aiming to be a little bit above, and that's why we put a little more emphasis on what material we're going to use, what additional features we're going to have, but always still conscious, you know, from my background going – we, we need dealers to be able to make margin on this, True, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people, you know, end-user consumers to be able to not break the bank and buy some of this stuff. So, you know, our goal was we want to be, be, be as competitive as anyone else out there or more competitive at both, you know, retail pricing and then even for the dealers, too. You mm-hmm. know, you want to be able to go to your local shop, and you want them to make money, too, right? Yep. So everyone, you want to go online and buy it, too. But if you go to your local bow shop, you want to have them have accessories so they can make money. They can mm-hmm. keep that shop open. So that's what our goal is, you know thinking less on our end we're like how do we make sure that they make their margin they can still sell it at a good price that you're buying it you're happy and you're happy that you got something hey this is cool and different Mm -hmm. but it's you know everybody needs these i need these well maybe this one's a little bit better because it's a better finish better material stronger price everything just adds up to say half rack is the winner here
1: yeah for sure that's cool you guys have some definitely have some really cool looking products on there so um yeah uh we're at about an hour and a half now, and I don't want to take up all your time. We're, oh, man, we're all here flew to work, by. so yeah, by, right? <laughs> right. It does. It, it you kind of lose track a little bit. I should have someone here with like a timer or something like that, so, no. I, don't, so I don't go too long and keep you away from me your. Booth yeah, and yeah, that's why I say, God, I've been probably looking for me like where sure, is Sherman? Like well, he's yeah, having a good look. time. So. <laughs> yeah. They but, got it, man. Down, there, yeah. Now, sure.
0: I can't believe that much time's gone by. It's been an awesome conversation.
1: Yeah, this has been great. It's been a really good time. So I do appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you wanted to throw out there that do we miss anything? Yeah, I think we you know we talked about everything, but. Yeah, I would love anybody listening. You know, to
0: check out uh, check out rather uh, Novix tree stands uh, and half Rack, halfrack.us and novixoutdoors.com. Give us a look, and really appreciate the support and thank you
1: for for having us on. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's been a good time. I'm glad I got to catch up. Um, we'll catch you and get to know you a little bit. Um, oh, likewise, yeah, so yeah, I really appreciate it. Man. Been a good time. So, all right, guys, appreciate you listening.